listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Podcasting to you from the landlocked town of Edmond, Oklahoma, where I am no longer sick, but I am very tired. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, and I am here for the 300th episode of Revelations Radio News, one of your hosts. And my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from Piedmont, Oklahoma, where I am trying to convince myself I am not sleepy. I'm Andrew Hoffman. <laughs> I just had a uh, two-bagger. I had a two-bagger of uh, black tea for this podcast. So Okay. I, I am no longer sick. However, uh, I haven't been getting a lot of sleep just for children and busyness and such. Uh, and then today, because I wasn't sick, I've been trying to like go overtime on the working out thing. So I managed to work out twice today and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to just got back from basketball practice a little while ago. Uh, I wore myself out. I think I think I might have worn myself out. So, but I am happy to be over the cough. I am happy to be over the sickness. But about this basketball practice, I have to tell you something. And then we'll get into what we're going to get into. But I just I got to get into this right now. I want to I want to say this I like that the coach pulled a Hoffman but I'm going to need your help on this because he <laughs> didn't pull a Hoffman but the coach pulled the same move that your coach pulled with you on me. So we go to basketball we've been going I we it's like once a week practice for my son. By, you know, practice number 2, I'm on the floor trying to direct you know, five and six year olds, it's like herding cats. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And this one poor man, just like he's ex, he's a current police officer and he's telling, you know, telling him where to go. And it's just, it's just insanity. So I'm like, you know what, let's, I'll, I'll get out there and I'll show, I'll catch the ball and we can pass it to each other. Me and the other, me and the coach. And, uh, we can see, you know, that that way the kids can see it. Visual learners. Right. Because I know my son would learn better if he could see what he's supposed to be doing. So anyway, I'm, I'm now I'm, all of a sudden now I'm being referred to as coach. So the next time I'm out there, I'm, I'm the coach again. And then my son's like, Oh, this is cool. You're the coach. So I am one of the coaches. So today I'm out there and, uh, 
This is practice number four, I think. And afterwards, the parents all kind of huddle up and the coach comes over and he just says, hey, so I know you've been helping out a lot with the coaching. Uh, super exciting. Uh, so our first game is in two weeks and we're not. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what happened to you, right? No, that's not what happened to me. Okay, can you explain? I, I, I remember that something similar happened to you. That, that's yeah. what reminded me of pulling a Hoffman. But yeah, yeah, my daughter's first soccer game. The the coach just full no showed. Oh, he encouraged you to be an assistant coach, and then just didn't show up. No, he. he I had never talked to him. <laughs> okay, I just showed showed up. <laughs> showed up, and there was no coach. <laughs> so you were and the they, coach. And so there was parents complaining that neither the coach or the assistant coach was there, and it turns out I was supposed to be the assistant. I'd, I'd said, okay, I'll be the assistant coach. So I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Kissed and, in, head coach. Here it is. Yeah. And it, that was, you know, I have to say, that was one of our only two wins of the year there was that first game. So Hey, there it is. I mean, see, yeah. you you were maybe you were born to win, so... <laughs> Definitely born to do 300 episodes. Holy cow, Andrew. What in the world? It is a lot of episodes. I, uh, I I don't claim to be the world's greatest podcaster, but I am a better podcaster than little kid soccer coach. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm a better podcaster than a uh, little kid's basketball coach, too. So, But I, I, we'll see. We'll see, you know. We'll see how my record is. Maybe, uh, maybe this is my calling. Maybe it's gonna, you know, we're gonna go out there and crush it. So, my my son now has the added pressure of having his his dad be the coach. So he's like out there, just you know, just trying his his butt off. So, are are they required to play man defense? So that's an interesting question. Uh, I just learned about the defense today, and I think it's required zone. Required zone. Yeah, what? you, you got to put four on uh, each. You got to put one on each corner of the, gosh, of the lane, and then one in the front, like on the top, in the kind of half dome area. Weird. Okay. Yeah, it's weird, and that's how we have to play. So defense. you got to, you have to teach a zone defense and zone offense. Uh, I don't know if you have to teach zone offense. I think offense you can do whatever, but defense you have to be zone. Huh. Yeah. So then, of course, my son lands the pivotal top of the key role. So we'll we'll see how it all goes. But um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I kicked the sickness, so that's good. I'm I'm good. That is good. No yeah. coughing. Things are good here. So glad um, to hear it. Happy to to have made our way you, through it. You rallied in time for Thanksgiving. Thanks for having us over. We. Got to celebrate Thanksgiving with the Kilkennys, and we did not just that family activity. We, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we went to Medicine Park, Oklahoma, oh, in yeah? the neighboring wildlife refuge. Yeah. And then on the Friday after Thanksgiving, we went to uh, Enid, Oklahoma, for the giant Christmas tree lighting <laughs> the world's tallest fresh cut christmas tree i will say out of those three things 
having known how well my sister cooks and my mother, I would pick the first two. I'm not sure. If I had to pick two if I had to pick two of the three, I would take the first two. But how did that third one go? Oh, it was fun. I mean we yeah, we there's a ton of people there. So a hundred and forty foot tree, believe wow. it or not, and not grown in Oklahoma. I'll oh. just go out on a limb there. Shocking. It was actually California. I would have thought maybe Colorado, but anyway. Uh kind of Kind of a weird, like, half uh, militant Christianity vibe with a little bit of, (laughs) like, some weird promotion of this uh, show about Jesus put on by the Mormons. So, it was kind of strange. But uh, fireworks show, tree lighting, uh, both senators were there, you know, it's a big Big deal. They didn't get much applause. I did notice that. <laughs> well, all right. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming over for Thanksgiving. It was awesome to have you guys, and it was a good good meal had by all, I think, and a uh, good time. So that was cool. Indeed. It was good Thanksgiving. So just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, we had the opportunity to get... Uh, probably our favorite podcaster on the line with us to do an interview. And for those of you who don't know, for those of you who may be listening on the Corbett Report, we are now eight full eight minutes in to some people that you probably don't even know or care about talking about random things like being sick and Thanksgiving and being coaches. <laughs> yes. But uh, we have... Uh, we had the wonderful James Corbett on the show for our interview. We thought no better way to celebrate 300 than one of the guys who inspired us and one of the first guests on the show, believe it or not. We were very early on. Uh, we found out kind of mid-show that you emailed him way back in twenty, the year of our Lord, 2012. So uh, it was uh, quite a while ago we started that yeah. friendship. Um, and uh, true to form, I lost the first uh, bit of the interview. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Technical issues. Technical issues. That something dropped out, and then I didn't. Uh, I kind of panicked because I had a big guest on. I didn't didn't download the recording. But what I can say is this: You and I, Andrew, we are James Corbett aficionados, and we have heard him interviewed countless times. And so we tried to ask questions that were not asked often. And really, the only thing that was kind of missed in that little bit. It's like the first. Uh, five to ten minutes that was cut off. I think it's probably ten minutes or so. Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, ribbing about uh, fifty-two shows a year. Kilkenny. Um, <laughs> there was some questions about us moving to Oklahoma and how that happened, and then we talked about that a little bit. And overall, um, just kind of getting to know, getting you know, just getting on the same page with James and asking questions about. Uh, Substack, the direction of our show, the direction of his show, and, and things of that nature. Is that kind of what you remember from that first part of the show? Yeah, well, and there was, you know, he he kind of did a, the- a grand theory of everything that explained how the world actually works, and then that was deleted. So, you know, just keep, you'll just have to listen to future future episodes like i can't can't remember exactly what it, what it was but uh 
No, that's that's probably right. So we went from trying not to repeat the same intro that everyone uh, does when they interview James to just now no intro whatsoever, and we'll just throw you right into the <laughs> deep we'll into just throw the, you right into the conversation, deep yeah. into the discussion. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think that I think, like I said, I think the first part was him kind of asking us, like, "Hey, how did we first get in contact? How did this how did this happen?" And then uh, going on and on from there. So. Uh, always a pleasure to speak to James and, uh, without further ado, I think the way that we're going to set this up is we are going to play that, uh, now it's just under an hour. I think it's about 50 minutes, uh, the interview with James and afterward we'll come back here to, uh, the week after Thanksgiving and do episode 300, a little bit abbreviated cause we don't want it to go, uh, too long. Uh, but we'll get right back into where we are. So indeed, anything else? I feel like there definitely should have been more preempting on the lost part, but I guess that's it. I guess we're good. We've rambled long enough. Let's get to what the people came for. There it is. So James, what's your opinion of Substack? You've been known as a a frequent critic of some social media platforms. So what what's your experience been like with with Substack? You are right. I am a frequent critic of social media platforms. I'm glad. I hope I am known as such. Um, Okay. So the reason that I um, signed up with Substack at all um, was because uh, I I don't remember who it was in relation to or in what particular way, but I I know that several months ago there were, there was some pressure of, oh, you've got to deplatform this person saying these horrible things about COVID. And Substack issued some sort of statement. We will not do that. We are not going to cater to uh, the outrage mob or blah, blah, blah. Whatever the statement was, basically, uh, you know, free speech lives on Substack, something along those lines. So I thought, well, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll find out about there. that. Yeah. So I signed up and... And here's the uh, here's the thing about it. Um, it it has been a, a wonderful platform in terms of getting my word out to people because I have been, as I'm sure you guys know, for years and years and years. I have a subscriber newsletter with the subscriber editorial, but every single week I made that make that subscriber editorial for free, freely available. You have to click the link over to. At first, I was putting it on Steemit. I put it on uh, Minds.com. When I started putting it on Substack, suddenly it's like people were reading it and I was getting comments about it and people were, yeah, it was being posted elsewhere and it's just like suddenly it existed. Uh, so obviously no one was looking at those other platforms. People are looking at Substack. So at any rate, for the time being, it has been an effective way of getting the word out, which at the end of the day is kind of what this is about. But in terms of ideal platforms and ideal ways of distributing information, etc., I'm not sure any social media platform really lives up to my ideals, sure. but that's why I have to dirty myself by, you know, getting the word out there and hopefully drawing people towards better ways of communicating the simpler ways, the ways that actually would make a lot more sense. Like RSS, we do not need social media platform middlemen telling right. us how to connect with each other. We can connect directly, but how are you going to reach the people who need to hear that? You've got to reach into the matrix. So that was why I was on YouTube in the first place. And that is why, for example, I am I am highly suspect of Rumble and their Peter Thiel mm, money and all sure. of that. But yeah. I have just recently uh, signed up with um, Content Safe. There's a, a, a company called Content Safe. Matt Raymer is running it. Who they will take the your 
your feed and basically they will do the uploading to various other platforms. So now I'm up on Rumble, I'm up on Rockfin. Um, it's not because I think these are the best places necessarily that meet all my ideal criteria, but I am just trying to reach out as far as I can. Of course, not to YouTube though. That is the one, that is definitely where I will draw my line. I'm not on YouTube, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on all of the normie platforms. Right. And, well, someone else is putting your stuff on YouTube there, but uh, oh, that's, there's, good. A, there's a new Corbett report. As long as they're not channel. pretending to be me, I'm fine. <laughs> no, it's, they, in the description, it's, it's clearly a fan who says uh, no affiliation with James Corbett. Cool. All right, good. So, but uh, I have an answer. Okay, September second, twenty twelve. James, as you know, your podcast is awesome. I've been listening since two thousand nine. Have enjoyed every minute. I am the co-host of a weekly podcast called mm-hmm. Revelations Radio News. We cover alternative news from a Christian perspective. I told my co-host Tim Kilkenny that about your show last year and he's been a voracious listener ever since we plug and reference your podcast regularly would love to have you on as a guest i think the topic blah 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 blah. i think p-tech is awesome you blew me away let's talk about jockey lul on and on but that's it (laughs) best best regards andrew hoffman so andrew reached out monday thank you andrew yeah so so there it is now, surely I didn't respond to that to say that I am a regular listener, because I don't think I knew about you before no, that point. No, no. That's, I, think, uh, I think that's the original one right there. Yeah. Uh, your response probably. was just, thanks for getting in touch. I'm happy yeah, we, to do your show okay. to talk about right. pre-tech, whatever okay. you want to talk about. Cool. Well, there you go. It's nice to have an actual answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. No worries. Who's what? You got the next question, Andrew? Well, so one of your, this is kind of a, a switch there, but I'll just my two cents on Substack. I know the there's RSS readers and there's better ways of doing it, but the inbox feature where I can just one click free subscribe to all these different things mm. and all the new stuff is there and I can just yep. go through it one after the other. It's it's very handy. Uh, it's very admit, convenient. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not obviously not a writer, but as a reader of Substacks, it's nice to just literally just like look down and like, oh, Andrew just put out a po- oh, James just posted something. Mm, like, oh, yeah, just it, be able to read it almost instantly. You know, the most handy function from my perspective is it's the email list as well, because a lot of people right. want to sign up for email. And I've tried lots of different methods for that, and this is the easiest. Mm-hmm. They're also clunky through WordPress or whatever. Yep. It's, it's just a pain yep, in yep, the butt. Yep. That's why I haven't done one, actually. Yeah. yeah. And the- you guys need a re- RRN Substack. Yeah, I think there is one. I think I need to fix it though. <laughs> oh. I think I started it and it's just I don't know. It's just kind of running on its own. But yeah, I should get one. You're right because that is a good place to reach people. Yeah, yeah, and it it seems like at least at this point, it's an honest algorithm as far as like you may mm. be interested in mm. this yeah. other thing, which is yeah. The I have I have encountered I've 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 seen things that I probably would not have seen. If it weren't right. for Substack, so yeah, for the time being, it, it's running all right, and for the time being, they're not censoring. That can and will change on a dime, as we all know. Yes. So, yeah. you know, but that's it, the thing. We, you know, are we going to sacrifice being able to reach out to people and using something that works because it isn't perfect and not ideal and blah blah blah? It's like every time I bring up the Wayback Machine, which is a very handy thing in the research that I do, mm-hmm. but someone will point out, well, they they put out a couple of years ago. They said they're going to start putting, you know. Uh, not warning labels, but you know, like 
this, this fact has checks. been retracted. Yeah, fact checks on their Waybacks, which I haven't seen yet. But every time I even talk about the existence of Wayback, people are pointing that out. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll deal with that when, when we deal with that. But for the time being, for right, right. now, for today, this works. <laughs> let's, let's use it as a tool. I'm looking forward to seeing your version of the old internet there, Critic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like kind of Yeah. A big Where's project. your archive of that particular webpage from 15 yeah. years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So you did a recent episode, CIA and the Media 2.0. Mm. And you also sneak previewed CIA mm. and the Media 3.0. Yeah. And this is. I'm I'm curious as to your perspective on uh I I think we've definitely seen a shift in the way the propaganda is distributed where even unwillingly or unintentionally alternative media is a big part of you know mm-hmm. like there's some big event that happens whether it's covid or or something else like there is messaging that uh it, it's very different from the messaging in normie supposed mainstream media, but there's, you know, there's an agenda behind it. Do you have any? Oh, 100%. Yes. Um, Conspiracy quote unquote, whatever you call it has been mainstreamed and people, I mean, there is no denying now that the internet is the way that people receive most of their information. So of course, of course they're going to try to, put it out as if, oh, here's here's that alternative information you were looking for. Um, you would have to be utterly naive to think that that isn't going on. And I would point to the what I think is was probably the, the biggest test of that that we've seen so far, the QAnon nonsense mm, of the last several yeah. years. Um, that What do you think that was? Uh, at the end of the day, there, there was clearly something shenanigans going on. And I would be highly shocked if there were not some sort of intelligence... Uh, fingerprints on, on that and it was an experiment you know how can what how far will people go with this and how what can we what can we get them to look into and blah 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 and it's, um, it's still going on <laughs> it's still going on yeah that's the thing that, <laughs> that's the thing that's truly flabbergasting for me yeah. but tim i know is a recovering q anon <laughs> addict <laughs> yeah but I, I get it there was a, there i mean as people point out as because over the years obviously i've heard from people why don't you cover q james why are you ignoring the q drops and they would always say you know regardless of whatever you think of it there's real information that's come out through that and yeah yeah i, I there is i mean uh, there are people who genuinely learnt, for example about epstein through Q. They didn't yeah. know about the Epstein yeah. story until the Q was dropping about it. Well, okay, that yeah, that's that's good. I, I I'm not denigrating that. It's just well, if you'd been listening to the Corbett Report, you would have heard about Epstein years earlier. But whatever. I mean, fair enough. You get your information where you get your information, and yeah, there was but, some genuine stuff in there. But as always, it's the turd in the punch bowl. You know, it's the one percent yeah. poison to the ninety nine percent good sugary sweets or whatever yeah that's how they do james why would we listen to well-sourced open information when we can have an anonymous government source tell us what's going on well something some entity claiming to be an anonymous government source that speaks in riddles and questions and (laughs) you know there was a a q drop like a week ago do you guys know that 
No. no. Yeah. Yeah. What does it say? <laughs> what does it say? Oh, I bet you Trump's really secretly in power, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, something. It was like it was right before the election. Well, so ridiculous. <laughs> Watermarked ballots. Yeah. Really, this time. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, so Trump was telegraphing his announcement for president for, well, months, years at this point. But uh, it, very clearly the last couple of weeks, right? And it was... The big announcement coming up, big announcement, mm. and people were speculating online, and these are like, you know, kind of truther, more on the conservative side, but but people who are, you know, don't believe the government, and they're, they're saying things like, oh, I hope Trump is going to, you know, show all the corruption in the military and it'll all get taken care of, or I... Trump is going to show that Kerry Lake really won. It's like, no, this is... Trump is going to announce that he's running for president because in Trump's world, that's the most important thing in the world. Nothing else matters compared to that. You know, not not the, not the his supporters still rotting in jail cells in Washington, D.C., not anything else. But so yeah. Have you ever... You guys ever... Like, we, we laugh and joke about it, but have you ever looked at, like, how dark it gets for the QAnon people? There, there is, and I don't mean necessarily what QAnon's about, but they become so obsessed with it that they like neglect their families, and they're just like, you know, don't worry, it's gonna, finally everything's going to come to light, and this is all going to happen. It's all going to yeah. go down soon, and and like, it's like a sickness. It's like a tr- like a full on like it's, sickness. It's it's sad. It's it's kind of amazing that it works. It's kind of wild to think that you could conflate such a serious topic with such stuff like this was going on quite a while ago but this is a much more Mm. advanced version of it and broad broad. as as a student of elul right actually (laughs) uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna confess i still haven't read elul (laughs) this is this is my deep dark shame and so i feel suitably chastised that i know what i'm going to be doing over the christmas break but Merry Christmas to me, um, but uh, but yeah, clearly as advanced as the methods of information manipulation propaganda have been in the past, how much more advanced are they now? And mm-hmm. it goes back to that quote. I know you've heard it before. Let's say it again. We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. Uh, attributed to former CIA director William Casey. And there is some good sourcing on that from Barbara Honiger, I believe. But anyway, um, regardless of even if that is a made-up quote, it's the, the essence of it is exactly right. This is what intelligence agencies are. By deceit, we will make war. And, um, and I don't know about you guys, but it is genuinely becoming hard to figure out what is satire and what is real these days. Here's a, a, just the most bizarrest story I have ever seen that just floated across my news wires and i don't i don't know whether this is real i is this satire woman who married a rag doll claims their relationship is hanging on a thread after he <laughs> cheated by texting another woman and there are photos of this couple their wedding she gave birth to a rag doll on a live stream for 200 audience members. I, I, I don't I don't know what this is, but this is coming from the Daily Mail, so take it for what it's worth. Yeah. But uh, uh, this is the kind of absolute insanity that is being mixed in with 
news and information and from every side. And it is getting harder and harder to know what is real even, and then sorting out what is really real once you get to the real stuff. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's crazy. Then the clearly satire material gets censored for being too, yeah. too accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Babylon yeah. B, Babylon yeah. B stuff, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there's definitely the, the QAnon stuff and, you know, I think I'm guessing and I, I think I've heard you talk about it in the past, but the the reason you run your website and your podcast the way you do is you're not a fan of the anonymous government source, the secret information, which is for a long time, you know, really drove so-called independent media. Mm. Well, yeah. and and above board media as well. I mean, that's oh, how yeah, it works. Yeah. You get your info from. Stringers and what have you. And that was part of that CIA and the media 2.0 that I just, uh, that podcast I just did. The CIA and the media 1.0. When you actually go, and I, I hope people will follow the links to those interviews I was just playing little clips of, of Frank Snepp and Ralph McGeehee and people like that, John Stockwell. Um, when you actually listen to their full interviews, they, I mean, it's it's fascinating to hear from the CIA insider perspective of what was going on. And of course, the journalists in Saigon knew who was on CAA payroll and who they, where they were getting this information from. But, you know, quid pro quo, we'll share a little info with you, you share a little info with us. And they would talk about how, of course, they'd give good pieces of information that verifiable, that turn out, pan out well. And then they'd slip in the thing that they wanted the reporters to report on, you know. And it's a wonderful, virtuous circle from their perspective because everyone gets something and they all uh, they and all the, the, the war skids. continues. <laughs> and the war continues, and they get what they want out of it. And um, and that's the way it functioned for so long, of course. Yeah, it being manipulated like that. And then, yeah, the 2.0 is just, so I, it's just think, flabbergasting. Do you think it's possible that the 2.0 is a result of the repealing of the Smith, Smith-Munt Act with the uh, National Defense Authorization or whatever from 2013? No. Oh, sorry. I have my own thoughts on that, but Andrew, I'm interested to hear yours. Oh, I've always thought that was a big red herring. Mm. Like they've they've been lying before, they've been propagandizing mm. before that, after that. It I don't think it had anything to do with I with tend anything. To, I but. tend to agree with that, but today when I listen to the, the podcast or excuse me, the Propaganda two point podcast, I actually listened to it earlier today. My thought was like, was that when they this like when that was finally like repealed is that when they just like kicked it into overdrive like all right i'm on the cia this is what i do this is what we're telling you well intelligence analysts from the cia right (laughs) i I remember 2000 i want to say seven or eight in that time frame um when it came out it was new york times front page like big story about the uh the pentagon propagandists the pentagon on the payroll former retired generals who are all sitting on the boards of raytheon and what have you who are the featured military correspondence for every major um, news program in America and all of this. And that was, that was big news. That was a big deal when it came out. Like, did you know these retired generals are actually you know profiting from the war and they have contact with the Pentagon and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it has been going on for much longer than that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Andrew, I'm with you. I, I know I did a piece somewhere back in the archives talking about that Smith month and how it is a bit of a red herring that it didn't, you know, okay, it's a thing, but it didn't actually change 
um, very much. But I have to dig that out from my own archives because I don't remember the details of it. But I remember being sort of unimpressed by its actual significance when I really started to look into the details of it. But um, but it, at any rate, I think there has been a change in inflection in that time frame. Sure. Certainly over the past decade, there has yeah. been a more of an outright. But honestly, I would locate that more in the ascendance of Trump and the Trump era. Mm-hmm. That was when we started to get the left openly on board cheering for all of these CIA yeah. directors and what have you because they're against Trump. Um, that was really where it started to hit me anyway. <laughs> and WikiLeaks are bad guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the- yeah. Yeah, fascinating. It really is. It really is the changeover from left wing bird of prey, right wing bird of prey. That is where you really see where the chips actually are lying. Because I remember uh, vividly the two thousand eight nine Bush Obama transition. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, I was just talking about this with Brock the other day. Remember Keith Olbermann? He used to Mm -hmm. have. Um, at the end of his show every day, he had this like 10-minute video essay, essentially, um, that was actually quite influential on, on, on myself in terms of, oh, I should do something like that. And I started doing the Last Word series in it. Um, and some of them were really good and hard-hitting and really digging up dirt and details on the neocons and the things that they were up to. But I vividly remember the very last one that he did of the Bush era was like the eight worst abuses of the Bush administration in eight minutes or something like that. Eight years and eight mm-hmm. minutes. And uh, he goes through, and again, excellent point after excellent point about the torture and the lies into the war and all of that stuff. And yep, hard-hitting was really good. And I was actually getting ready to like, oh, I should, I should share this with the audience. And then the very end, he's like, and all of that can be dispelled with one word. Hope, and of course, it's just free to <laughs> Obama. You know, Obama is going to save yeah, us, this, and Obama's that was the moment. Slogan. And then, yeah. all of the these, all of these outlets that had been good under Bush suddenly, on a dime, started to become propagandists for the 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 mainstream narrative, the raw story, and whatever the D- Daily Show and other sources now. that you could yeah. look at in the Bush yeah. era and go, yeah, they they got it right about the neocons are suddenly totally wrong, and exactly the same thing when it transitions from Obama to Trump. It's like mm-hmm. all of these outlets that you think, well, they, okay, or they, all, all these things that we think we can rely on, like the left are going to be anti-war, the left are going to be against the CIA or whatever. Suddenly that can change because mm-hmm. Orange Man bad. It's it's very revealing. It's the, right around that time, I'm, I was a member of Iraq Veterans Against the War and like going to meetings and, you know, state helping plan protests and whatnot. And then when Obama got elected, they were trying to just like, well, I guess we're good now. <laughs> war's cool now yeah so everything's everything's good and, and i was like wait no more i was George like w. Bush, are you wars. i was like are you serious this guy's like oh yeah i mean things are headed in the right direction now we got a democrat in office and i think obama and like the chapter literally like died on the vine like that was it no there was no more activity we had a, a democrat in office so very sad it was. It was very sad. I was confused. Just extremely confused and then disappointed overall. Yeah. And I I remember they actually asked Obama. They said you promised all this change, but you everyone in your cabinet was part of Bill Clinton's cabinet. So where's the change? And he he said, "I'm the change." <laughs> <laughs> in other words, I'm you, you got a new face to the same the same deep state, the same agenda yeah. that marches yeah. on, and 
And, you know, you got Trump hiring all the people he hired. Just government sacks and all of that. Yeah. And uh, almost got Robert F. Kennedy in, on some sort of vaccine panel, but uh, yeah. Bill Gates kind of twisted his arm there. That was weird. Yeah. That was e- yeah. even better mm. explained in the new uh, mm. real Anthony Fauci. And it's, right. it's still weird. <laughs> Yep. Dell Big Tree's in the room. Fauci pulls him aside, tells him he's doing good work. Like, really weird. Mm-hmm. Weird mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, if it, which was a good documentary. It should have had more James Corbett clips in it. There was a, <laughs> a, a, a small bit that was good, but. So, I'm happy it, to be the guy in the background that's feeding these kind of documentaries with information. That's, yeah. that's fine for me. Yeah. Well, and. And I, I've been super impressed with Kennedy's work. I mean, he's come so far from... It used to be he was the... I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I, you know, they've got these harmful ingredients that we should take out of him. And he's now he's like full-on, you know, knows all your material, knows all, mm. all the actual stuff. So, it's great. Yeah, so. I have a, I have yeah a, again, um, crisis times. You really start to learn about you know, who's who and who's really on board and all those people who suddenly were like hey you know whatever the government's saying to go stay home stay home for safety it really reveals a lot about who's actually opposed to the system who right. really sees the system and understands what it is yeah it's a, it's a really um, easy litmus test like if they were recommending the vaccine you can pretty much cross them off your <laughs> your sources of information list there. So it's a, but if, if we couldn't, if we couldn't, you know, read the tea leaves on what was going on with the, with the vaccine and the, that whole agenda, then I'm sorry. I I don't trust, don't trust your discernment. uh, Or, or the people who, yeah, who didn't get it at the time, but then, a year and a half later or whatever. Uh, you know what? Maybe you were right. Oh, well. But actually, the worst part about that is generally it, it's the kind of people who avoid. They don't want to. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> but actually, it turns out all of that was right. Okay. Anyway. And we'll learn nothing from this and move on. <laughs> yeah. It's time for amnesty. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, back to my questions to you yes. guys. Yes. Because this is what the listeners here want to know. 100%. We're 300 episodes into this enterprise of yours. Where are we going from here? What is the what is the long-term vision for how Revelations Radio News will conquer the world? Well, considering I've been, you know, making clips for like the last 20 episodes, mm-hmm. I feel like this is, you know, it, we're getting better. I, I feel like it's a little more of a real podcast now. So, you know. We're just, we're finding our stride here, as, at least as far as I'm concerned. I know I prep a lot more than I used to. I will say that. So, it's, but uh, as far as where we're going, we, I don't know if Tim might have ideas, but we haven't, we haven't talked about it beyond uh, we're not planning on stopping, you know, anytime soon. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Not planning on stopping anytime soon. And I, I personally, we've been talking about this a little bit off air here and there, but I just want to get more of a community feeling, uh, just 
because one thing that happened with the pandemic was it made everybody feel isolated mm-hmm. and we have all this technology at our disposal to to try and keep things you know community feeling one thing i was thinking about this earlier today and actually thinking about how we could do that with this podcast and obviously thinking about you know speaking to you this evening and one of the ways that you do it obviously you don't trust any of these other apps or whatever we may end up using one of these somewhat compromised apps but just to be able to talk to each other i, I don't know there's the, the the hard part of getting all the of your people to adopt a certain thing that's going to be absolutely frustrating yeah. um, but the the thing that you did was you know just open up the open up the website and open it up for comments and i think back when i started the website i had everything closed for comments because you remember back 10 years ago like there was so much spam that like was, there mm. wasn't good yeah. filters and so yeah. you constantly would just get these like links to porn or just weird yeah. th- stuff that yeah. would come up so uh, n- now i think i might actually open up the comments try to get go for more of a community mm. feel and, and open well, up the comments uh <clears throat> I know that you moderate them all, and I don't want to spend a bunch of my time doing that. But I, I do as little moderating as humanly possible. Really? But yeah, I mean, I got to check what what people have posted. But, sure, um, but people people have to sign in. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. the sort of because that if it weren't for that, I don't think I would have just open comments because then it does turn into a moderation job. Like that becomes like a full time job. Okay. Um, that's a good. So so yeah, the the, the fact in. that they are paying members of the website certainly does. I think raise the level of contribution, shall we say? For sure. But yeah, just trying to get more of a community feel, getting to know, uh, maybe even possible in-person meetups and stuff like that. You know, one thing that we've been kind of blown away by is just, you know, supporters that, you know, live close. We have, you know, ranchers talking about trying to get us, you know, fresh meat that, you know, next time they're in Oklahoma. And uh, we have mm. a, uh, a couple supporters right here in Oklahoma City area. Which we, you know, you guys, you guys had to start some sort of Oklahoma group thing. I think so. And yeah. I think we could, we could pull from neighboring states. One great part about Oklahoma, as opposed to Seattle and Portland, if you look at a map, Seattle and Portland are so far from everything else. I mean, it's far. The next biggest city is San Francisco, and it's like 800 miles from, from uh, mm. if you don't count Vancouver. And I mean, who counts Canada anyway? This is, <laughs> but, but, Not uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, that would be the future for me, is being more involved uh, with the uh, and trying to make it feel more like a community. Yeah, I think there's an awesome opportunity for not necessarily growth there, but just yeah, consolidation. Yeah, because yeah, you do want to you you want to take it to that that next level. I, I'll be happy when I hear a live edition of the podcast with people cheering in the background, a big stadium. There <laughs> we people. go, live studio <laughs> audience. Stadium. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> so, Andrew doesn't. Rem- do you still not remember Andrew that we did a show like on the radio? Oh, that people could call into? Yeah. No, I think I remember that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, I think we hung up the phone. He's like, do we do a radio show? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, dude, we did. The Corbett Report radio. There was a Corbett Report radio show. Remember I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. You I remember, remember my radio show more than yours? <laughs> I, I remember the Frank and Chris show. Oh, yeah. And I, and I remember... Your previous yep. podcast before we started doing a podcast. I am a whiz with podcast names. If you ever need to come up with a good podcast name, James, just ask me. I've came up with the Tim and Mike show. 
<laughs> which was me and my co-host Josh. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then I came up with Revelations Radio News, which literally was based off a website that is now defunct. Used to be yeah. <laughs> used to be run by uh, Chris White, but now completely defunct. So now we're stuck with a with a name that we've been with for 300 episodes yeah. and. And we, we get, get the occasional yeah. email. It's it's not revelations. So, it's revelation. So and James, it's like, I I know this I know. isn't a question so much as a I feel for you, and that is every time we have you on the show, we get a lot of feedback almost instantaneously, and it is kind, but is filled with correction. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel for you, man. I don't know what, like, <laughs> what stand. I think you present such a professional standard that they just. I just want these people to get on the mic and make their own dang podcast and quit criticizing people. And I can't imagine what they do to yeah. you. This lady writes in. She's like, "There should be no S at the end of it because if you look in the Bible, the name is this." And I'm just like, I, I like, just kind of like falling out of my chair. Like, I know it was after the stupid network, and it's not me. Like I didn't name it that because oh, some man. other dude name his name's Frank and he who even I, I don't even want to I didn't even write back I'm like I'm just not even gonna write back let's fine you I should see my inbox I know yeah. man and I've heard you talk about it and it's like I just just give the guy a break he's as professional as possible meanwhile nobody I mean yeah. I, I can't even remember to hit record. Nobody writes me to criticize me. It's like, keep putting them out, Tim. Good job. <laughs> I will say, yeah, we get, we, we do get criticism. Yeah. And not much though, but, uh, we, we never get accused of being like agents. Yeah. We'd always, we always talk about him being a fake I don't agent think, from Arizona. I don't think we're, I don't think we're professional enough to get like the, the agent criticism. Yeah. I, I know. Oh, yeah. I know you have gotten that. Oh, I oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I've I've gotten it for him. The links oh. links are too good. The time codes and the links too good. That's that's he's he's intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly a whole I love CIA team. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I truly I love the he, fact that my critics a, always stress how good my work is. Yes, <laughs> as a criticism. As a criticism. This yeah. is a question that we all should really know. Are you a bit of a perfectionist, James? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say perfectionist, okay. but I am definitely, I guess, control freakish in okay. that um, you'll notice. Okay, I. it is objectively, objectively insane that I am doing literally everything webmastering yes i agree um, i agree just yes. posting all of this yeah. stuff administration yeah. answering emails yep. i always yep. get emails from yep. people going are yep. is this really james yep. are you really mm-hmm. answering your email <laughs> yes i'm really answering my emails who's gonna answer them for me literally i have no one i have brock west doing the video editing and even that was like a big thing for me like oh do i want to give video editing work to somebody else and then what if he you know what if he doesn't do the editing i like i'm gonna have to correct it all even to this day people think that you know brock yes. does it and then that's done no no he hands it back to me and then i do the final edit i this is hmm. i do not give up control lately i so. think i was like four threads deep on the on the on your site one time making a comment or reading a comment and then some guy just starts going off about how you had removed his previous comment. And I'm like, oh, why is... It made me sad for a minute. I was like, why is James' head full of this crazy person at this time? <laughs> like, why is James having to remove comments from this person when he well, should be enjoying hmm. all of these other things? But I know that you do everything. And as a guy who has a text-based 
completely plain Jane, barely functioning website, and and tries and to is throw a professional graphic designer. Yeah, <laughs> tries to tries to throw a show together once a week. I don't know how you do it. I really well, don't. So I, I, the funny thing is, ninety nine percent. I'm going to guess that that person was actually they lost which thread their comment was on, and it was on another thread. Because I I have I could count on one hand the number of times I've ever removed a comment outright hmm. on a post ever in the fifteen years I've been doing this. So yeah. I don't, it's, I don't, I'm, it's not saying, crazy. I'm sorry, I'm not saying that you're removing a bunch of stuff, but I just remember him referencing the possibility of it and mm-hmm. thinking, oh, James is deep in this too. Like, No, I, how, I get it all the time. So, and it's are, always misunderstanding. Since, uh, anyway. Yeah, I hate all that stuff. So, so one, one more question. This is super important to me. Do Are you the type of person that can plan like to the 15 minutes to the five minutes, like your whole day? Oh, God, no. No, no. No? (laughs) Yeah. People think I have some sort of great organization system to be able to do what I do. It's no, not really. It's just my brain is funnily wired so that I can remember things usually. And secondarily, no, I don't have any organization system. I just do things as they come up. And it works out as long as you work, you know, 21 hours a day. (laughs) Goodness. See, that's the thing. That's the thing, man. You got to stay healthy. We got, we need you around. We can't have you just burning yourself out over here. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah. Imagine me in 30 years. (laughs) They're turning the freaking frogs gay. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm morphing into my final form. I'm going to be Alex. (laughs) Just uh, just don't start smoking marble reds and pounding Ooh. beers and oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, whiskey by the gallon. There, that's not not a good idea. In there, but, no, Tim, you inspire me with the all the health talk and the you know getting out and running and all that like that. You know, I know, I, I absolutely that is what we. If they are trying to make us sick, we should be as healthy as possible. That is the real defiance here. That's the way to win. Amen. Yeah. So, James, I, if it's all right, I'll. I had a, another subject, if we can talk about it. Um, your prediction for this year was a kind of a a mm. um, outage of some sort, or hack, mm. or some big, yep. Yep. big event, and there have been. Certainly some events that resemble that. Do mm. you think there's still a, a bigger one coming? Or do you think, um, like the, I don't know, the Canadian power outage and or Canadian internet outage and mm, the, the other right, things right, right. that have happened? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that definitely was not what I was predicting. I am, I am happy, ecstatic to say, yeah, totally wrong. That was an off prediction. But in my defense, I think I did say I, I was hoping that this... I'd be able to come back in 12 months and say, oh, I was wrong about that one. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was the story of 2022. <laughs> I wouldn't try to defend that. Um, I do think that is still in the cards. And I do mm-hmm. think that is a card that they can play in the future and presumably will play at the point at which it is most beneficial to them. I don't think it means, you know, the internet's down forever, but I think a significant disruption of some sort that causes a fundamental change in the way that people get online and the ID for the internet. I mean, that's, that's in the cards that's coming. And I think they just need the proper excuse for that. So I do see some sort of cyber false flag in the future. I don't, it hasn't happened in 2022 yet. I mean, there have been some events, but nothing on that scale that, that I was referring to. But there's, 
there were some events that were interestingly timed with drills going on for, you know, preparing for that sort of event. So I Right. There was uh yeah. yeah. Uh what was that called now? I don't e- I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It wasn't Event 201, but the World Economic Cyber Forum Polygon. was involved in Cyber Polygon, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Thank you. So. Yeah. And they were yeah, there was there was an event that happened at the time that they were running their drill, but I oh. thought that was last year. Anyway, I'll look so, it all up for it, this year's New World next year. It was. It was last July. Right. Not not this year, last July. So the Tangentially, the, how much do you hate predictions and having been made to make them? <laughs> uh, you know, of course it's stupid. I am not, I do not know the future. I'm not going to get it. But it is an interesting exercise that we should probably all be attempting to engage in, at least privately, um, to try to consolidate what is it, what is it that we know? What do we, what do we think we know about the direction that things are heading, the trends? That That is important because that helps to consolidate our what's sort of swirling around in our head. And it does help to write that sort of thing down or to, to put it into some sort of words so that you at least have an idea of what it is that you think about where we are and where it's going. So that hopefully, really, aspirationally, we can change that. I mean, this isn't some script that's been written for all time and there's no one who can change it. I mean, right. we have a part to play in what's going on right now. Um, and and it's important to realize that this stuff is not happening coincidentally. There's not mm. like, oh, look, a crypto crash mm. and now we mm. need government regulation. No one thought of that before. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. This is kind of the, the narrative that with so, FTX and, and what have mm. you. So how do I... My my guess was nothing would happen. That was my guess for the prediction for this year, which is my own way of saying I don't want to play this game anymore. Yeah, but You're there right. hasn't been anything that happened <laughs> to the American people other than a supposed war in Ukraine that has been as traumatic as the last couple of years. Right. No, my in theory a, in a was real... that they would just lay off for a minute. And let everybody kind of get their feet about them because if you're yeah. going to traumatic traumatize everybody, it has more impact if you let everything go back to normal first mm. and then do it again. Mm, I just didn't yeah. think they'd layer it on at the at the time, and yeah. that was the reason for my prediction. You know, but there's an important way that you could read that prediction and how it came true. Question mark right. is that yeah okay we've had crazy stuff happening this year not least of which being the ukraine thing but the energy crisis and whatever else is eventuating but yeah a lot of it is is more about what what is what people are thinking could happen or yeah, the threat yeah, of yeah, something that's yeah. sort of that cloud of doom hanging over people's heads but it hasn't really rained yet you right. know like we can all see the rain is hanging there in the clouds <laughs> we know it's going to rain but it hasn't really fallen yet, right? right? Not no one's like it's not like millions of people are on the streets and power outages everywhere and whatever. But we all know it's coming. Yeah, we yeah. are in that kind of holding pattern, and I think you might be right. Maybe they're concerned about um, uh, outrage fatigue or whatever it is. Well, and there was the you know the Fauci crying wolf about pandemics over and over and over again. Mm. And yeah, monkeypox. Yeah, That's one that thing go? that didn't happen was, this year. Right? Was that floated and then just, I mean, what happened? Yeah. That was what, weird. I don't know. What did happen? All I mean, sudden, I, all as far sudden, as I know, it's still actually a declared emergency. The yeah. State of Oregon, just a, a total coincidence that it happened right after the election, has declared a state of emergency over RSV. 
<laughs> which is like yeah. you know like there's been rsv around for a long time mm. like this is not a new a new phenomenon but uh yeah they're or is it they they will push the medical martial law thing as far as they can think they can get away with it politically that's for sure going off the top of my head isn't rsv specifically what peter Hotez was talking about when that clip that I'm sure I played a few times in 2020, 2021, where he was talking about, you know, if you challenge someone with uh, with the, the the virus, but then you vaccinate you vaccinate someone, then you challenge them with the, the wild virus, and it will be worse than yeah. if you hadn't vaccinated them. Whatever. Yeah, you know it that. was the RSV vaccine. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But, From the but 60s, I think they were doing that original research. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to try and push an rsv vaccine or they're just using that as like the you know because mm. i i think ideally then you can say well we have to worry about all this stuff and rsv is bad because there's no vaccine mm-hmm. but we've got all nah, these other right, wonderful yeah. vaccines you know well it's it, the triple demic don't you know yeah <laughs> Yeah. God so gave you what, two arms, so you can get one in each arm. You know? <laughs> and two legs and a couple buttocks and, you know, where else can we jab you? Did you see the clip of Trudeau getting heckled yeah. walking down the street in Canada? No, is this recent? James. Yeah, recent. No. They're telling, telling him to take their vaccine and shove it up his behind and... <laughs> All the, all the rest it's it's pretty good he just he, he is smart enough to blow it off and pretend he doesn't hear any of it but mm, yeah. yeah there's ah, the jill biden approach yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i saw the clip of him today getting uh heckled by xi jinping any further questions for us or not any further do you have any questions for, any more questions for us james uh, I think, you know what, I think we've had a good wide-ranging discussion, and I'm just, I'm on board, I'm interested to hear where you guys are going, I'm liking the direction you're taking, I've certainly noticed more clips and things like that, and it seems like you're coming up with kind of themes for each episode, it's an evolving podcast, I'm along for the ride, thank you guys for doing what you do, many hands make light work, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, thank you, James, and you were... Guest choice number one for episode 300, for sure. So we we appreciate what you do and um, always amazed at the amount of good work that you put out there and are looking forward to what's coming next. Well, I am not going to slack so that I will also be guest choice number one for episode 500. That's the <laughs> one that I think is the real gold. So I'm, I'm going to work for it. Just literally guest host number one or uh, yeah, guest That'll... choice number one for the podcast ever in 2012. So. Well... If we if we figure uh, you know fifty two shows every two years, Kilkenny, <laughs> then that'll be the year twenty thirty. So that could be you know that could be a big year. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man! But, uh, One of the best things for this podcast has been letting go of my perfectionism with the audio, and I know it's not great sometimes, but it's better that I get it out than I sit and hold on to it and then wait and then edit it over days and then make it sound well. And then it's like three days later or I don't get it out or I just get too frustrated to do it. And then we don't do a podcast for months. So I think the smartest, one of the smartest changes we've made is that I just don't edit it at the end. If there's some curse I, words. I do hear or, a naughty word now and then though. Yeah. Do you really? You guys, well, I think I heard one once and I was like, Oh, didn't get that one. Uh, uh, what's uh, what's his name? Nightmare. Jimmy Dore. Yeah. You gotta watch those Jimmy Dore clips. Andrew's worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, Jimmy, Jimmy Dore, I've tried to clean him up. But. Well, before um, RRN 500, there will be interview 2000 
of the Ooh. Corbett report. So, oh, <laughs> you <know. laughs> we, if we could get You're... you back on for yeah? for that milestone, that would be I... that would be an honor. You you interview me for two thousand, or do I interview? Yeah, you? yeah. Well, no, anyway, it, we'll work it, it out. We would interview interview you for interview two thousand. Currently, you're at seventeen sixty five. Looks like wow. So wow, yeah, it's, uh, we're getting there. That's a lot. All right, guys, continue doing what you do. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you Thank for coming you, on, James. Yep. Well, there he goes off into the sunset of the sunny climbs of Western Japan. Our friend James, always uh, absolute pleasure to have him on, and what an honor to have him on for episode three hundred. We. I've, I've reached out to a couple of different people to do uh, maybe a little series of interviews. You kind of vetoed the long Future Quake style six hour show with everybody on. So uh, we, may, we may get a few more people on there. Uh, but uh, it seems like one of our favorite podcasters is deep into some research. Another one just had some surgery. And uh, we'll see. This might be just a just a interview series somewhere around episode 300 here. Uh, we have a couple ideas for it the next guest but without further ado yeah the world, the world doesn't you know. stop and one of the reasons that james is probably our f- very favorite guest is that you arrange a time with them and then he shows up and that's all there is to it there's no canceling or rearranging or you know no showing so this is uh, his his podcasting etiquette is is very high. We'll put it that way. Absolutely high level. I got I got a chance to to see a side of James kind of during that interview. Just how hard he works. I mean, it is, yeah. it, and really just talk to him about it. And I mean, if you guys aren't looking at the Corbett Report, if you're not using it as a resource, you're totally crazy, and you should be because they're. He is putting his heart and soul into this thing and making sure that he keeps everything afloat and uh, has been doing it for, you know, as long as we've been hammering these, you know, things together and longer. 2007, 2008, yeah. 2008, yeah. Longer and at a, at, a, at a much higher professional level than us. So uh, yeah. we do we do enjoy James. Also, like I said, I mean, kind of one of the first guests on the show, I think. So I don't yeah. know. I'll have to go back and, and confirm all that stuff. But uh, without further ado, hey, the world doesn't stop. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, put the feelers out there. I was telling people on Twitter or, you know, anyone that would listen. There's a few, you know, I kind of went outside here in my own backyard and was like yelling out. It's episode 300 of Revelations Radio News. Everybody <laughs> calm down with the uh, with the world. But the world goes on. The world yeah. goes on. You know, we got to get those CBDCs. We got to get that Black Friday. We got to get these uh, shop from home retail apocalypse going. We got to uh, we got to continue. Yeah, I, I've got a, a smorgasbord. Let me throw a few kind of headlines out there, and feel free to jump in wherever you like. Oh, all right. Uh, Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, guilty of January sixth seditious conspiracy. Oh, come on. So, which can carry up to 20 years in prison. So, I guess that answers the question of whether he was a Fed or not. The good news is, 
not a fed. Bad news is might be in locked in a jail cell the rest of his life, even though he did not enter the Capitol. They just said, um, well, you wanted to, uh, let's see, violent plot to overthrow President Joe Biden's election. They don't clarify, you know, what the violent part was. Uh, the people that testified, testified, you know, that he was innocent, but court finds him guilty. Wow. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll hear Donald Trump standing up for Stuart Rhodes and guaranteeing a day one pardon, right? Uh, that, that, uh, you know, that true social post is, will be out any minute. Well, he was going to pardon Assange, so... Yeah, he's, right. He's do that know, first. Day one, Rhodes and Assange. Well, yeah, we'll see. So, all right, I've I've got a presentation. Chris uh, Chris White is one of the people you referred to there, and I do have a presentation coming up later. But uh, a couple more stories. I think this might lead into some stuff that you you have. Leon Black. Accused in lawsuit of raping woman in Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. This is from the conspiracy site Yahoo Finance. Leon Leon Black, and uh, actually in Yahoo Finance via Reuters, uh, Leon Black, the billionaire co-founder of a private equity firm Apollo. Interesting name. Oh, Apollo Global Management. Really interesting name there. You could tell someone's a good guy when they name their their company Apollo Global. Was sued on Monday by a woman who said he raped her two decades ago in the late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan mansion. Okay. She was a cash-strapped single mother who had already given Epstein five massages for $300 each when the financier arranged in the spring of 2002 for her to massage black for $300. So then she says that he he raped her, and of course his lawyer says, no, no, not at all, but there's text messages where he's, you know, apologizing for something, for, I guess, apologizing for not raping her. Well, interesting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, it's, it's, always, uh, it's always a tough needle to thread. Sorry yeah. for not raping you. Yeah, so if, not to make light of it, but... Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. So there's a, a billionaire... Uh, a literal friend of Epstein, yeah. and I'm sure I'm sure he'll go to jail for uh, for longer than Stuart Rhodes, right? In this just society we live in, yeah, seems like it. Yeah, actually, he's not even criminally accused; it's just a lawsuit. So there'll probably be a settlement, and we'll never hear about it again. We should have. We should have. We definitely should open this segment with the old Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan clip. Oh, yeah. Well, we could transition because I think you've, you've got some some stuff on a similar line there. Yeah. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. <laughs> and for those of you who are new to the show, Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan is the nickname that we have given to the people who seem to be 
centered around the Epstein mansion, Giz- Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, you know, Victoria's Secret. What was that? What's that guy's name? The terrible what? guy. Just seemed to have a much higher percentage of pedophiles and psychopaths than the general population. Yes, it yes, it way. absolutely does. What's the guy's name? The the uh, Whitney Webb's been doing such great work on. His name is slipping my mind right now. The owner of Victoria's Secret, Jewish guy, uh, L- Les has, Wexner. Yes, Leslie Wexner says he has a, uh, a. Says I have a demon. No big deal. I've always had yeah. a demon. It's not a big deal. Uh, but. Uh, this last week was quite an interesting week, of course, with the whole Balenciaga uh, ad campaign. For those of you who don't know, I have <laughs> clips that will get us into it. But uh, Friends of Epstein, Just, Servants of Satan, also hi- centered around high-level fashion models and uh, the like. Yes, yes. And the the fashion modeling industry is notorious for that that sort of thing. But the... Uh, this could very well be me in my as far away from fashion bubble as it's possible to be. What percentage of the population had never heard of Balenciaga? Because I'm in that percentage. Uh, I think that... How do I put this? It, so it's a technical... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you, not that you would care. Because I think you would not care and you would be revolted by what I'm going to explain to you. Uh, but because you asked, I will. It, they're a fashion house, right? So like Gucci, they're, they're, they're supposed trendsetters. Uh, Kanye had a deal with Balenciaga, which by the way, he jumped out on. Very interesting. Uh, but it's like kind of like Gucci or Louis Vuitton. They set a tone. And I think people would recognize the name. I don't know that the, like most people can't afford their stuff, if that makes sense. So like no one's going to the Balenciaga store on the corner to get, you know, it's probably going to be only in select places. So, but yeah, there is definitely a percentage of populations never heard of it. So, but it, okay. I had heard of it before this, but okay, I am tangentially kind of involved with clothes nowadays. So it's a weird Weird, ter- weird turn that my life has taken. But anyway, let's get into what is going on. This is a just a quick Twitter clip that gives a brief synopsis, and then we can get into it a little bit more. Rumigos with Rick Owens and his wife. As you can see, Rick Owens' wife is doing the as above, so below sign that you see here on the satanic statue of the Baphomet. Here's another photo of Rick Owens and his wife. Here's from Vogue, Rick Owens Menswear 2020. This is from the same Balenciaga campaign that had the BDSM teddy bears that the children were holding. You can see caution tape with Balenciaga spelled with two A's, which is the deity Bell from the Bible, in which children were given as sacrifices to this deity. Another Balenciaga campaign shows a child with a balloon string wrapped around their neck. And if you remember the book that was in a Balenciaga ad that showcased an artist who made art playing with chopped off hands and feet and blood. Here's some more art from that same artist. Look at this demonic garbage. From the new Santa Claus show on Disney says, we love you, Satan. Now check out this video from a Balenciaga campaign. What's in your bag? In my bag, uh, like stuff for me. Like, should we do it with some? It's just, yeah. 
Like Kanye said, do not look up to these celebrities. None of these celebrities are calling out Balenciaga. None of them. None of the rappers, actors are calling out this demonic garbage we are seeing. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in the devil or not, there is a spiritual war going on. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is time to wake up. They are after the children. They are after the children's minds. They are after our minds. The war is on. I thought that was good. And then to get a little bit deeper into what we're looking at here, uh, we have our old friend, the Vigilant Citizen. Okay. There's something terribly wrong with the Balenciaga and the rabbit hole goes deep. Balenciaga recently released pictures of children holding stuffed animals in BDSM outfits, sparking massive outrage, but there's much more to the story. The luxury brand's recent photo shoots contain a plethora of details that point directly to one sickening concept, the celebration and abuse and celebration of the abuse and sexualization of children. Balenciaga is a luxury fashion house that was founded in 1919. Also, all these fashion houses, Andrew, are from Italy. It's weird, like Italy sets the tone for fashion. Uh, it's inception. It was, uh, since it was, it's inception, it was tied to the elite. <clears throat> Excuse me. During the 1960s, the brand's most enthusiastic clients were elite socialites, such as Mo Mona von Bismarck and Pauline de Rothschild, the wife of Baron Philip de Rothschild. In the 21st century, Balenciaga became a must in celebrity circles, especially with the, with pawns of the elite. Its list of clients include the likes of Madonna, Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Garner, Justin Bieber, and Kim Kardashian. In short, Balenciaga is by the elite for the elite. And in case you haven't realized it yet, today's elite is completely obsessed with the sexualization of children. They're using schools, mass media, and everything in between to normalize their sickness and slowly but surely push the boundaries of what is socially acceptable. Since, Bal <clears throat> since Bal Balenciaga is part of this mess... The brand could not help but to contribute to the culture that constantly seeks to sexualize children, even sicker, to actually celebrate their abuse. Why would they even think of doing that? Short answer, a whole lot of them are pedophiles. Even worse, the occult elite engages in the systematic abuse of children for their aims that are too evil to even fathom. It is only by understanding these facts that the following pictures will make complete sense. Through symbolism, Balenciaga celebrates an entire culture that is one... Uh, one that is deeply sick, cruel, and horrific. Highly symbolic pictures. The pictures promoting Balenciaga's holiday products are unsettling, and with a deeper analysis of the smaller details, it only gets worse. The bear is, a, is wearing a padlock across its neck, a fishnet top, a harness, and all kinds of straps. Needless to say, this gear is used in hardcore BDSM sex that revolves around pain, submission, and humiliation. With that being said, why is a child holding this thing? Stuffed animal represents a literal sex slave, symbolized by the collar and padlock. In a BDSM context, a collar is a device that may, uh, uh, made of any material worn by a person around the neck to indicate their submissive or slave status in a BDSM relationship. Collars may be used in role-playing games involving erotic humiliation because they have connotations of control and pet-like status, especially when worn with a leash. Notice that the definition above mentions pet-like status, especially when worn with a leash. Coincidentally enough, there's an actual leash on the girl's bed, 
and I don't see a dog in sight. The picture combines kitty stuff with adult objects such as wine, champagne glasses, also there's candles inside beer cans. Why are these things inside a little girl's room? Also, there's a leash and a dog bowl. In BDSM, submissive slaves drink out of such bowls, and they are, are they implying that girls drink out of that bowl? The interpretation much uh, would be a stretch if there wasn't two toys in full BDSM gear in the picture. In short, the entire vibe of this picture is unsettling, full of innuendos, and somehow the one uh, below manages to be worse. First, there's caution tape on a chair, the kind of tape that is usually used at crime scene. Is this the boy's room? A crime scene? Did abuse occur here? Furthermore, the drawings on the wall would most likely co uh, cause child psychologists to be deeply concerned. In the background, there's a drawing of an evil-looking horned figure. The entire wall is full of drawings convey the fact that this child is sad and disturbed. Of course, this cursed thing is sitting next to kitty toys. The juxtaposition perfectly reflects an obsession of the elite, spoiling children's innocence. In the past, Balenciaga made it a point to associate these stuffed animals with full-on abuse. In fashion shows, bruised-up models carried around these stuffed animals, which were purposely dirtied up to make things even creepier. The Photoshop above was the work of Gabrielle Gallimberti, an Italian photographer who is loved by the elite because he pushes their agenda. has a screenshot of a tweet by him, and it says, uh, Why restrict child porn but not guns? That's a great question in July 2022. Interesting. It's a great question, as in not a great question at all. Gabriel recently retweeted an article that used one of his pictures. The title of the article, Why Restrict Porn But Not Guns. Speaking of which, pedo documents. Some Balenciaga pictures do not... <clears throat> some of the Balenciaga pictures do not contain children. However, they contain details that go into the exact same direction of the pictures above, even confirming our worst fears. In one of the zooms into... If one zooms into the document at the bottom, one discovers that it is actually about child porn. The specific ruling was not chosen by mistake. It perfectly fits the insane child abuse theme of the Balenciaga ad campaign. The Ashcroft vs. Free Speak Coalition reverses a significant portion of the Child Pornography Prevention Act of 1996. A provision of the Child Pornography Prevention Act of 1996 prohibited the possession and distribution of child pornography, which was defied, defined in another CPPA provision, as including any visual depiction that is or appears to be of a, min uh, of a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct. Thus, banned a range of sexual explicit images, sometimes called virtual child pornography, that appeared to depict minors but were produced by means other than using real children, as, for example, computer-generated images of adults who look like minors. So that is the copy of the, <laughs> the paperwork that's on the desk of this normal-looking supposed ad campaign. The Supreme Court uh, ruled that the ban on virtual child pornography violated free speech, so it was reversed. Ah, I see. So, if I'm reading this right, Andrew, you can make virtual child pornography. You can make it look like a child, as long as it's not real. Hmm. Cool. In other words, it was a win for the pedos, and that's why the specific document was in the Balenciaga photos. They want more judicial victories. Celebrating the insane artists, the devil is in the details. Once again, the presence of a book is not random. So, on top of this, uh, and here's another Balenciaga pick, Balenciaga pick, nothing crazy in here, except there's a book on the top of the stack, written by Michael Baramans. 
Once again, the presence of this book is not random. It perfectly fits the overarching theme. Michael Barraman's uh, most famous work is titled Fire from the Sun, a painting titled Five Fingers and Three Limbs. In the painting above, we see naked children covered in blood and three limbs on the floor. If you look closely above the limbs, and I don't mean limbs of a tree, we see a translucent figure crouching above the limbs. Kim Noble, a survivor of trauma-based mind control who paints symbolic images, uses the same imagery to depict the concept of disassociation used in mind control. In other words, these children are being traumatized and they are disassociating. Here's another descriptor of the paintings. Uh, how much more can you take? So the We're almost done, actually. You want me to read for a while? Yeah, am I rambling? Go for no, it. No, you're doing fine, just... I know how it is. It's tough to read for a long time. Yeah. Um, here's a description of this series of. So, it's a book, and are these pictures in that book? Or yes. Are we going to find out? Okay. No, no, they're not pictures in the book. No, no. This is the the book is written by the artist, and this is the artist's most famous mm. work. So this book is pre- okay. pres- uh, displayed predominantly, like how to lie with numbers behind Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> This is yeah. the how to lie with statistics. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's a description of this series of paintings. In the most evident terms, Fire from the Sun portrays children aged two or three in various stages of play with fire in what appear to be human limbs, even hair. The children are all light, light skinned, Sistine style cherubs, sometimes covered in blood. The children do not appear to be distressed or disturbed, though some viewers at the gallery may be. The drama of the paintings is heightened by their visual connection to each other and more broadly to older works by Boromans, if that's how you say his name. The scene in each painting is composed against a similar beige backdrop. This is a set or a stage devoid of context, withholding of answers, but suggestive of a director or someone watching. And that's... Uh, elephant Michael Boromon's Fire from the Sun. As the description above stated, so he wrote that? Is that accurate? That's what it looks like to me. Okay. As the description above stated, and then back to Vigilant Citizen, uh, this scene takes place on a stage and is suggestive of a director watching. This is truly psychopathic. What if these paintings were based on something that happened in reality? More references... So then there's another painting where the there's a naked little boy with a shadow behind him and then a what appears to be another little kid but morphed out like they're not you know disassociated out. Yeah, disassociation yeah. I think is a, like is he's looking at himself or some yeah, I don't know. Some of the paintings, the children are in the process of disappearing, phantom bodies not quite removed from their gruesome acts. Importantly, Boromans chose to depict children too young to have clear memories. In some fictional future, they might be unreliable carriers of this formative origin story or trauma. The description above from an art website actually refers to the trauma of children, a core concept of monarch programming. Oh, and the children playing with the bloody limbs and eating them. Great. Uh, when the fire and probable cannibalism implies some sort of ritual, the works are most chilling as sketches of random violence, casual and instinctual. The depicted characters break with one typecast in angelic while fitting another, demonic. 
Some paintings are completely ritualistic. Hooded figures holding burning limbs. This looks like a satanic ritual. There's people in black hoods walking around some sort of small animal. Uh, ritualistic, and then another one. Ritualistic robe plus a miniature version of the figure equals MK Ultra Alter Persona. I could post pictures all day, but I believe you get the picture. Bormann's work revolves around trauma, abuse, rituals, cannibalism, and a whole lot of naked children being watched by some freak. In other words, this is all about the sickness of the occult elite. This is why his book was featured in the Balenciaga pick. In conclusion, following the controversy around this madness, Balenciaga issued an apology. That was probably part of the plan from the get-go. They did get a lot of publicity. In past years, I documented other major companies re releasing ridiculous pedophilic pictures to then apologize. Uh, however, that apology is completely worthless. It doesn't erase the fact that several adults knowingly worked on these pictures while several others approved them. They knew what they were doing. Even if Balenciaga removed all these pictures, it's too late. They're already out there and they know it. The dog whistle was blown. Balenciaga is a fashion brand by the elite and for the elite. They've shown their true ugly faces, disseminated their pedophilic culture to the world, and after some expected backlash, they've erased everything. <clears throat> then mass, mass media rehabilitated them, even go, going as far as calling those who spotted the insanity conspiracy theorists. It's got a, a, a headline um, by high snob, high snobiety, like high snobsiety. <laughs> okay, never heard of it. Fact checking Twitter's absurd Balenciaga conspiracy theory. This is not even close to a conspiracy theory. It's a truth staring in our faces. The messages in Balenciaga's campaign are not random and they're not a mistake. They are fully in line with the sick culture that's been described on this site for years. The silver lining in this horrific mess, people are waking up to this crap and calling it out. Well, that is yeah. that definitely is the silver lining. And uh, I actually saw somebody reference, I think it may have been the New York Times, but someone... Uh, tried to point out Twitter users pointing out the Balenciaga ad as being bad, uh, being similar to that of the QAnon group conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anything that has to do with child porn or the weird stuff that they throw in our face, it's QAnon. So, uh, there's a group out there. Go ahead. I mean, do you not like paintings of dismembered bloody children? How, you know, it's a conspiracy theory, bro. It's not yeah, real. It's, it's not even real. Uh, it's there's like a the group Podesta paintings. There's a group out worse. There, yeah, I think it might be worse. There's a group out there called uh, Gays Against Groomers. There's a one gentleman in particular who's put out a lot about this. Uh, I'll probably put a link in. I'm not going to play the clip, but it, it's it's pretty cool. It's nice to see that there. You know, there are people who you know claim to be in the gay lifestyle who are like, hey. What is going on? This is ridiculous. This is nuts. Why are we doing this weird stuff? And so there was some good content there. Um, I have a clip next, which I found to be extremely enlightening. And Andrew Tate. Now, I know that I get on these kicks and I start listening to certain people. And first off, I want to start with, I don't think that Andrew Tate is like somebody that's a, a, of someone that anybody should follow, like a role model. I think he's probably a little bit too simple for many of our intellectual listeners uh, our, 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 our listeners are probably too intellectual to, to, to deal with Andrew Tate for, for very long. 
Um, and I think he's done some really weird stuff when he was younger. I don't know. But one thing I can tell you, having listened to his more recent stuff over these last couple weeks, especially since his interview with Zuby, um, if you're out there and you feel the need or just feel kind of a tug on your heart to pray for him, I suggest you do it. Pray for this man. Because he, I, I think I played a clip like a month ago where he said, I believe in God because I've seen pure evil. And if the, if the devil exists, then there has to be a God. That was like step one. Step two now, he has a house in Romania, a house in uh, uh, United Arab Emirates. Uh, and he claims to be, <laughs> he says that he is a Christian when he's in Romania and a Muslim when he is in Saudi Arabia or United Arab Emirates, Dubai. Uh, actually, I think he's in Dubai. Um, it, it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but the way he explains it is, is he prefers a culture that includes God. So the man appears to be just on the edge of kind of taking the final step to believing in God. because And he's come about it, you know, once you rise to the top and you start to look around and see, hey, a lot of these people are friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. I'm getting canceled for saying pretty normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. It starts to shine a light on like, hey, what is really going on out there? But uh, on on top of all of that, here is his take on Balenciaga. But I also found this to be extremely enlightening because you and I have talked about this. Conspiracy theorists have talked about this. Christian conspiracy theories, theorists have talked about this for years. And it's the, they why do they tell us what they're doing before they do it? Right? With the whole nine mm-hmm. eleven thing, there was like the lone shooter or lone gunman episodes where the same thing happens in that. There's a plane that hits the Twin Towers. There's all kinds of stuff in uh, media predicting what's going to happen. It's almost like it, we've talked about it before, right? Well, it's a, it's a so theme. There's, yeah, so that that example probably bad example. Go ahead. No, that no, that was a good example. Okay. There's also there's an element though where people will point to like a Simpsons episode sure. with like the nine and the twin towers making nine 11. And there is a connection there, but it's not necessarily that the guys making the Simpsons know what's going to happen. It's that they're Freemasons. They're open Freemasons. And so they put uh, Freemason symbols into the Simpsons. Flat Earth. There's so much Flat Earth on Simpsons. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 But the... Well, that's a that's another Freemason thing. Right. So they, they put all the Freemason stuff in there. And the reason the date of 9-11 was chosen, the reason the Twin Towers were chosen, this is all Freemason occult stuff. So they're all going... You know, they're all drawing from the same inspiration there and that's why it looks like oh the simpsons predicted 9-11 right but the question the question we've all kind of wondered is why why does it feel like the devil has to tell us what he's doing why does it feel like the enemy has to give some sort of symbols and those that are awake enough to see it see it and those that aren't aren't but why did why would how does this work and i thought this was this is this finally explained it for me. It clicked something in my brain. I was like, ah, that makes so much sense. Let me get into it. Yeah, so anyone who's not familiar with what has happened, they put up a advertising campaign which... 
Excuse me. Sorry, I should say uh, this is Andrew Tate on his podcast on Rumble with his brother. So there's a guy who also may speak who is his brother. Children holding bondage teddy bears. And then people started looking deeper into their images and noticing that books in the background were written by pedophiles and people. Uh, they were finding other names in the background of their images that you Google that person has taken uh, illicit photos of children, etc. So Basically, Balenciaga is rife head to toe with these little hidden cookies, all linking to uh, child molestation, child molestation, and pedophilia. Let me tell you something. If I was, I have a, a little girl. I would never let her do any kind of modeling because that business is just filled with pedophiles and degenerates. But if I sent her on a photo shoot, thought my little girl's going to shoot from Balenciaga, that's good, and told her mother to go take her down to the photo studio, and she came back holding teddy bears in BDSM sexual bondage gear. I'd lock and load. I don't think many people understand why this is happening. The chance of it being a coincidence, not just the child. You know, the thing is, I'm going to give Balenciaga the, the, the benefit of the doubt. A child, a little girl holding a bondage teddy bear is distasteful and is clearly promoting pedophilia. But you could perhaps argue in a court of law that it was just they weren't thinking and they didn't realize perhaps. But multiple campaigns having books written by people who were either making pedophilic content or arrested and charged for murder of a child or pedophilia. That is not a coincidence. You can't argue that way as oops. You, you can't argue that way as you I tried very hard. You can't argue that way. You've tried very hard to put in that many deliberate references to a particular mindset, which obviously the world finds repulsive. Therefore, by extension, you have to understand that if it was done on purpose, which as we've just deciphered, it must have been, why are they doing this? And I don't think many people understand why a brand like Balenciaga would so openly show the world that they are trying to promote pedophilia. Tell them. I'll tell them why. So some could argue that they're trying to advertise it and encourage it. Normalize. Normalize. And that is the case. That is what they're trying to do. But it actually goes a level deeper than that. Satanists, people who worship Satan, believe in karmic retribution. They believe that they can suffer the consequence of lying and tricking you. So the very simple premise is this. If I sell poison apples and I write apples and you come and eat one, I poisoned you. But if I sell poison apples and I have a sign that says apples, they're poison and you come and eat one, you committed suicide. I haven't murdered you. You've committed suicide. That's what, that's what Satanists believe. Satanists believe by telling you what they're doing, they don't have any karmic retribution. I'm not responsible for the for the the concept. I'm not responsible for all the negative fallout from my actions if they understood what I was doing and allowed me to do it. This is why they show you and tell you what they're doing. If I show you and tell you that we are pedophiles and you continue to buy our products then you're supporting pedophilia and you're obviously okay with us being pedophiles. If I do it hidden behind your back, then you can argue and say, I didn't know they were pedophiles. But by showing you, I've shown you I'm a pedophile. You still want to wear my t-shirt. So obviously what I'm doing is okay. And this karmic retribution model and the way that Satanists view the world. And when I say Satanists, I genuinely mean people Satanist, who worship real Satan. The people who are in charge of these brands and in charge of the Western world and in charge of the matrix genuinely worship Satan. When you understand the idea of karmic retribution, you can apply that to so many scenarios. They're doing this with everything. Karmic retribution isn't just about Balenciaga. Let's look at the recent scam of COVID. 
They made it very clear to you. They made it very clear that the, the virus isn't going to hurt. They you. made it clear that they didn't listen. They made they it disobeyed clear. the mask laws. Yeah, they made it very clear to you it was all stupid, so that when you still did it, they could say, "Ah, well, we showed them. We showed them it was dumb, but they did it anyway." I'm going to drop a very subtle one in there that you probably don't want me to mention. I'm going to mention it anyway. If there was a certain world leader who is playing a role right now, integral to how can I exactly put this? If there was a world leader right now who was playing the role of a hero when in fact he was a villain, wouldn't it be funny if we publicly gave him an Oscar for playing a role? For acting as something as he isn't. Now, Google which world leaders have recently been handed Oscars in your face. It's karmic. This is the whole point. They have to show you what they're doing so that when they're allowed to do it, that they can sit and say, well, they knew what we were doing and they didn't stop us. They were complicit. Yes. Complicity is what Satanists believe in. They don't want to outright lie to you and trick you. They have to tell you. This is why the Georgia Guidestones say we're going to reduce the world population. This is why they will say to you things like, listen to this. Imagine this for a second. Imagine you're at home and they say that COVID is dangerous. And then you watch the Black Lives Matter protests and they say that Black Lives Matter protests don't spread COVID because the cause is noble. And then after that, you still get the vaccine to protect yourself. And still don't meet your friends and family or go to the funerals of your loved ones. If you're that stupid, you deserve the consequences. Oh, no, but this is understand, please. But they're right. They're right. They're right. The Satanists believe if you're that stupid, you deserve the consequences of not seeing your family members, of not being able to run your business and losing your job, of potentially dying from the vaccine. They believe you deserve all of these consequences because they've made it very clear to you that the whole thing is And you agreed with it anyway. Balenciaga is not accidentally, repeatedly trying to tell you that they're supporting pedophilia. They're telling you on purpose that they believe in their religion. There's no karmic reprehension for themselves. They're not going to face any consequence for their actions. And most people don't understand this. Once you understand how Satanists work and why they show you what they're trying to do, then the whole world makes a lot more sense. This Balenciaga thing is not just a messed up advertising campaign and stupid cookies and little hidden things. No, this this is pedophiles telling you they're pedophiles. Genuinely, in real time. All right, so I just want to be clear. I don't think that way. I don't think Andrew Tate thinks that way. But it is interesting to think that the Satanists who run the world, the Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan, do think that way where if they show you that you don't need it and you still get it you deserve what happens to you well i think pfizer thinks that way yeah i, I mean they can they can put in their own yep. materials like we don't know if it's safe for pregnant mothers yep you know it, we don't know what the implications are of this Oh, but you know, you said warp speed and you wanted the vaccine, so here it is. Here it is. Yeah. You yeah. you never hear Pfizer claim safe and effective. <laughs> no, as a matter you of fact, they didn't even th- she admitted to not testing it to the, you know, to stop the spread in the European yeah. Parliament. Well, and the the commercials cuz they are running a bunch of commercials now. It's just like, "Oh yeah, let's get back to normal and like boosters that were designed that were designed, it doesn't say they work, just says they were designed to combat the new variants are now available. 
Like, it, obviously, the clear implication is that you should get them and you can get back to living your life. But the claim is not made. Yeah, it, it's not. Absolutely. And it, all the all the big pharma ads have that list of, you know, possible yeah. side effects at the end, usually May including suicide, death. suicide, depression, death, everything yeah, else. Just... When he started saying that Satanists believe in karmic retribution and explaining that, I, something clicked in my head. I was like, "Oh, that explains it. That explains <laughs> the you know the Georgia Guidestone and the see you. This is what makes us feel like we're crazy. I'll speak for myself, but when we see this stuff constantly, we've been doing the show for twelve years. You know, longer than that. No, eleven years, somewhere in that range. But but we've been seeing this stuff for a super long time, and we see it. You and I will we'll come back. We'll do the show." And we're like, dude, did you see the Super Bowl? There's this thing about bail, and this is blah, 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 blah. and you're like, yeah, what's <laughs> going on? And there's a weird commercial where he sells his soul to the devil for the Mercedes, and like we see this stuff constantly, yeah. but like people think we're not. Oh yeah, like they either a think we're nuts or b think it's like mildly interesting. But when he explained it like that, it was like, oh gosh, that makes so much sense. It's karmic retribution. Is is not that I believe that that's true, but that's what they believe. And that therefore is important. I don't believe in numerology either, but I know that they do. Right. And therefore on, you know, March 22nd or September 11th or whatever date, you know, weird stuff starts to tend to happen. 420. Well, the, I didn't, it's not part of, uh, what I clipped last week, but the mm-hmm. lead, the same Lee Merritt, if you watch the full video, she talks about like the Babylonian Talmud and sure. same idea. Like yeah. they, they got to tell you, you know, they believe if they tell you and you still fall for it, then they're not not guilty. Same sort of idea. Yeah. So, anyway. hey, um, just a just a little news flash there. You know, you're still guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's yeah, just, and, yeah. And you will you will spend eternity in conscious torment and God is a hundred percent right to do that to you. So just yeah. <laughs> go go ahead and, and think that uh just because you you put a a message in an ad that that somehow makes it okay. No. no. So. Close the segment. You know, I'm I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy. Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. Well, he's dead, so in general, you always have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, a couple, a couple uh, yeah, a couple died suddenlies. Okay. Uh, close to home here. Oklahoma Red Dirt country musician unexpectedly dies hours after his wedding. Oof. Uh, 37-year-old Jake Flint. So I um, Some of it, a shirt that he's wearing, some of the videos of him, is of another local band called Death Before Pop Country, which is a, right. a great band name. Uh, but... Yeah, so 37. Um, I'm not sure exactly. They're just, you know, local news is just like, well, yeah, no one knows how he died. Everyone says it's uh, unexpected. Yeah, you don't, like, kill yourself after getting married at 37 years old. Like, it, they can't spin into suicide. 
So I'm, I'll just kind of, well, who knows what happened? But uh, there is a social media post of him in October 29, 2020. Man, I'm so ready for a vaccine. So he was, he was ready. And, you know, that's the... Anytime you get tempted to be like, well, you know, maybe... Maybe Trump's not so bad, all the right people hate him. Just remember the warp speed thing and people like Jake Flint, you know, who some people did think, some people did get vaccinated because Trump said it was a good thing. And Hmm. that seems ridiculous to us. I'm not saying that's the reason for him. Right. But But it's it's a good good, good thought I hadn't hadn't considered. There are people killed by the vaccine who got it who probably wouldn't have if if Trump had said, I don't know if this stuff works or not. Yeah. Wild. So. But, uh, oh, I can't read through the whole story, but uh, it'll be in the show notes if you want to. I, I just can't read through it. It makes me too upset. But, uh, tweet from Justin Hart. Uh, meet Franca Panatoni, born November 3rd, 1973, and died on April 6th, 2020. Franca was a vibrant, spirited 46-year-old woman who was loved by her family. She had a passion. She was a she had Down syndrome. She had a passion for going to church and singing. She died alone, restrained to a gurney, her family barred from seeing her. And he goes through the whole story there. Um, if you, you know, feel the need to be upset about stuff that happened to people during COVID. That is good. A good thing to read. I'll put it that way. Uh, kind of a fun tweet from, uh, I got to I, I, I hate to do it to you, but so we have a down syndrome person who had pretty bad reaction to the vaccines. No, this, this gal. Okay. Uh, this is April 6, 2020. Okay. So they... I'll, I'll read the first few. You don't have to read the first few. I don't want you to have to do it. But essentially, so she became a prisoner who had committed no crime. Da, 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 da. So she's so in... The, she gets sick at the wrong she, time. She, yep, she gets sick at the wrong time. And her sister takes her to the hospital, explains that she's her... You know, healthcare surrogate because she she's pretty nonverbal, and they refuse because of COVID to allow her to stay. Forcibly remove her sister, take the oh, take the gal okay. with get, get, Down syndrome back into the hospital, yeah. okay. and end up killing her with medication and uh, doing medical procedures on her that. No one in her family approved. There's no way that she could have approved it for herself. She can't approve it for herself because yeah. clearly she has Down syndrome. So she, yeah, sounds terrible, yeah. Andrew. I'll link it in the show notes. Yes. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. They, so, they, they, anybody they, coming from the Corbett Report show, we don't always talk about dismembered uh, children, naked children playing with dismembered body parts and uh, Down syndrome babies, people, Down syndrome people being murdered in hospitals. Yeah, they, but. It's the stuck world around we live a ventilator in. and killed her. It's the world we live in, which is uh, run by uh, Satanists, so pedophile Satanists. <laughs> so, 
We got and it. eugenesis. Somebody, somebody's got to document it. Somebody's got to document it. So, yeah, here we are, up late at night, trying to get episode three hundred cranked out. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. And uh, this this will actually be more triggering to some people, but uh, my fellow anti-vaxer out there, uh, J three on Twitter. Yeah, <clears throat> we read the yep. thread of him with the. His kid getting autism for vaccines and what that that led to, but uh, he posted um, Christie's pulls a twenty five million dollar T Rex skeleton from auction after experts pointed out that most of its bones are replicas, <laughs> and so he says apparently most dinosaur bones are fake. The ones that are real magically turned to stone. Carbon dating turns out to be bunk, and nobody can seem to ever find giant's bones. This entire situation is incredibly suspect. Yeah. Yeah, it's it incredibly is. Incredibly sus. Yeah, the it, dinosaur. It yeah. is. I went... T- Anything they try really hard to teach kids, very suspicious. <laughs> I went to uh, University of Oklahoma as a great dinosaur exhibit. If you're into dinosaurs, it's a... It's pretty cool. It's a little expensive. I think it's like 15, 20 bucks a person. But anyway, you get in there, you get to walk around and see all the dinosaur bones. And uh, I think I snapped a few pictures and sent them to you and Will. And it was uh, it was a while back, six, eight months ago. But I did get this uh, just strange feeling walking around looking at all like, this is all, <laughs> this is all make-believe in it. This is just adults playing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, saying, like, I'm not saying. Well, well we we found this bone, and we just assume like it's a narrow, like chicken-like <laughs> bone that it came from a forty-foot dinosaur. Because what yeah. else could it have come well, from? The, a chicken? Yeah. You start looking into it, and you're like, oh, this. They found this, you know, three-foot-long bone, and so they, you know, used some CGI and extrapolated about how that bone would look if it was attached to a giant dinosaur. I'm yeah, not saying is- dinosaurs are fake. Andrew's not saying that either. We don't know. Oh no, but I'm I'm saying they're fake. They're you're saying they're fake. Okay, well yeah. I'm saying I'm not saying they're fake. I don't know, but I'm telling you, I get a weird feeling walking around. And I mean, how is there any dinosaur bones left if we're burning them up in our gas tanks? Every, you know, yeah, I mean, like, before you even get to the the dinosaurs aren't real thing, you got to like, where's where's the the millions of missing links out there from the different stages of evolution? You know, like where's the in between this and in between that? Like oh weird. So the carbon got locked in the like in, yeah, in they, the ground. They just like they just, just like, like jumped, <laughs> jumped between species. And then the carbon just, just rots. And totally then, legit. It's uh, like well, it's, it's well stuck how, underground. How, how do you know that's forty million years old? Well, because of the rock layer that it was found in is forty million years old. Well, how do you know the rock layer is forty million years old? Oh, it's because the skeleton that we found in the rock layer is forty million years old. <laughs> How do you know that it's 40 million years old? Well, we carbon dated that thing. It was a carbon date. Didn't they carbon date we, a live organism one time and it was millions of years old? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and then the, when the, the bones get trapped, then the, yeah, they w- went some- up to Mount St. Helens like, you know, 10 years after the eruption, did some carbon dating. It's like, oh, 50 million years old. Wow. <laughs> This, this tree was yeah. This is when the dinosaur bones get trapped, ages. and then there's some stones and some and some some trees, and then it just turns into oil. And then yeah. you pump the oil out, and you make gas. Oh, fossil fuels! Fossil fuels! <laughs> Peak oil. Uh, All right, one one more fun story before 
we get into the real stuff before he drops the hammer on us, ladies and gentlemen. So the this last year, uh, the British Open was held at St Andrews, which is the oldest and probably still most famous golf course in the world. So Scotland, like 1600s, was when it first opened up. Yep. It's probably so, where golf started in that area. T- Tiger Woods has won multiple uh, British Opens, or now they just call it the Open Championships at St. Andrews. And it was kind of considered if he was going to have a good tournament this year, even post-car wreck and all that, it was going to be there because it's an easy walk. And he did terrible and missed the cut and... Uh, but there was still this, you know, famous moment of him walking down the 18th hole and waving to everyone and everyone cheering and going nuts. So you can look up that, that video. But as it turns out, uh, he wasn't feeling all that great because Rory McIlroy gave him COVID right before the, the British Open. That's hmm. what the story is. Uh, so Rory tells the, the story, he says, um, Tiger needed a rest on Wednesday. We had played two days of golf at Adair, and the plan was to play Bally Bunyan on Thursday. I woke up that morning feeling a bit achy, but didn't really think anything of it, said McElroy. Uh JP gave us his chopper, and we went down with Sean and Tiger's manager, Rob McNamara. We got around fine, flew back to Adair for lunch, and as I'm getting up from the table, I'm sore and sif and super tired. I said to Erica, I think that's his wife, Feeling a bit weird, I'm just going to upstairs to lie down for a bit. I slept for maybe two hours and the sweat was just pouring off me. Then Eric took my temperature and it was sky high. I rang Tiger and said, I'm not feeling so good here. And he goes, oh, I feel okay. But he texted me at 10 o'clock that night, chills, fever. And I'm like, uh, bleeping bleep, I've just given Tiger COVID. This is horrendous. So we both had COVID going into the open. Now... Tiger admittedly did not do so well at the Open. McElroy should have won the thing. So just a, another example of we shut down the world and uh, here's a guy with COVID at least the week before, you know, more or less still has it, that should have won the tournament. And uh, remember we had the John Rom story where he's winning the tournament by six shots and then has to with is forced to withdraw because of a positive COVID test. Yeah. So and just all the craziness there. And but uh, I, I'm pretty sure. I know Tiger would never talk about it one way or the other. So I have no idea if he was vaxxed or not. But uh, I'm pretty sure Rory was like, he's usually on all the liberal side of things. So. He was probably pretty pro-vax there. Um, but I, sh- I shouldn't say that because I don't know for sure. But Sure, but the point of the story, you're bringing a golf story to, to us here. But yeah. the, the kind of the takeaway is we shut the whole world down for a disease. <laughs> for for that something that, that Rory he almost literally almost beat every other best golfer, golfer in, the world. in the world you know, w- while sick with COVID. Yeah. And it, this wasn't the only time that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, just maybe it wasn't about health. I'm just throwing it out there. It's for your health. Do you ever do you ever see the Australian police officers? They were concerned for everybody's health. Yeah. Do you want to 
so I've pretty much all I've got left is the big, uh, big Chris White deal. Yep. So I only, I only have, uh, I have the smallest little clip that I'm going to play at a certain point in your, uh, presentation that okay. I, it happened to come do across you, my feed, which is kind of funny. So do you want to thank some people now? Should we do it? And this then, time? then do that. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Man, Andrew taking tips from people, leaving leaving them leaving them on a cliffhanger. Here we go. <laughs> so, production note. Production yeah, note cr- noted. Chris White debunking mainstream cancer theory after the break. All right. Stay enough. with us. Stay with us. Stay with us while this we read this uh, you know, hours long list of contributors. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it, Andrew. PayPal took us out big time. We were doing, you know, humming along there pretty good, pretty good clip. And then PayPal comes along, does its nonstop weirdness and cut our donations pretty much in half for October. So, but we. For for November compared to October? uh, No, for October compared to September. But in Mm. November, we are starting to kind of to get them back with the old give, send, go. Give, send, go was, uh, was I think, the right move. So we are yeah. starting to build our donations base back up via uh, give, send, go. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it, though. Um, Revelations Radio News is a listener-supported podcast. The, this means that the listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you're getting value from this show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work. It's based on the value for value model made famous by Adam Curry of the No Agenda podcast. Anyway, if you would like to support this show, go to revelationsradionews.com backslash support, or you could just type eugenicswars.com into your URL, and that will take you there. Or even... You could just do revelationsradionews.com, and I have made a handy-dandy sidebar this last week. I've done a little bit of work, and on the side, we have a very big Give, Send, Go button in a picture. You just click it, and it takes you directly to our Give, Send, Go page where you can donate. Um, We have, uh, yeah, I actually have the spreadsheet up, so I'll allow you to read donors today, and I will go and see if there are corresponding notes in the uh, email folder. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. So thank you, everybody, who did donate. Let's get. Let's see who helped us produce episode 300. Yay! Yay, 300. Do you want to play the, the jingle? Oh, I'm sorry. Goodness gracious. I apologize. I should have. I should have. Definitely- By episode 400, we're going to have this thing down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for doing a show with me all this time. It's a guy who re- doesn't even record half of our shows. <laughs> Actually, there's a note. I Well, I was effect. thinking, I was like, well, I haven't done 300 episodes because you've done some with other co-hosts and guests and what have you but then i was like no i have done 300 because we've got the <laughs> uh, the unrecorded episode so i think it's i think it's right about exactly 300 Revelations Radio. <sighs> all right we have got 299 dollars from the garden city ranchers Woo! Garden City, Missouri. Thank you very much, Garden City Ranchers. Yes. 
We've got who kind of snuck in there. Maybe they, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they listened at two times speed to get ahead of of Danny from Medford, who sent us his usual $25. Thank you very much, Danny. And uh, Caleb from Ohio sent us $150 via Give, Send, Go. And actually, all three of those donations, including Danny has made the switch over to Give, Send, Go. So thank you to, to all three of you using that. Um, as has our, our next contributor, Scott from Switch City, Indiana. Uh, v gives and go $35. Thank you very much, Scott. And I have a book for Scott that is packaged up and ready to be mailed, but has not actually been mailed yet. So sorry about that. We'll get that out shortly. Uh, Maddie B sent us, whoa, $300. V gives and go from South Australia. Thank you very much, Maddie B. And Maddie B was, is of course, who just led us into the uh, into the break. He's the jingle. Yes, he's a contributes his talent and treasure. Thank you very much. Yes, Maddie B. And so you know, a dollar per episode. That's I think we're getting the better end of that deal. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maddie and uh, Luke, uh, a P.O. box donation, uh, and I believe a regular yes, absolutely P.O. box yep. donation, uh, five dollars. Thank you very much, Luke. Uh, not the Illuminati, <laughs> believe it or not. It's you know your brain doesn't always see the not, so maybe the Illuminati. But uh, not the Illuminati sent us $333 from Parts Unknown via Give, Send, Go. Sid from Parts Unknown via Give, Send, Go sent us $100. Thank you very much, Sid. And Rick, also via Give, Send, Go from Parts Unknown, sent us $10. Thank you very much, Rick. So that was a, that's a great list. It was a good list this week. We do appreciate you guys. Uh, very much. Oh, here we go. Finally found it. it took me forever. Uh, the uh, note from uh, the Garden City Far- Garden City Ranchers, uh, Garden oh, City yes. Farmers. Yeah. Dear Tim and Andrew, congratulations on three hundred ish episodes. When you are late in the episode and say, Andrew, if anyone is still listening, Andrew. We are, we are there all the way through the closing song and have been for every episode. You, by the way, sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a hidden gem on the up, on the back end of the closing song for those. <laughs> there's like the, a make fun of Andrew clip. I know your tricks. Yeah. There used to be a lot of times now it's just something, <laughs> something different, but, uh, you have served our Lord. Uh, what well, that was nice of them all the way through the closing song every episode. You have served our Lord uh, for an impactful decade with this podcast. We pray that you keep doing many more. This is one dollar for every episode that we have listened to. The only one we missed is the one where someone forgot to hit record. <laughs> you two can decide if this donation should be split fifty fifty, or if it should be split one fifty to one forty nine. <laughs> Meaning that I would get not the full amount you would get the 150 because oh no we we 
Split it all 50-50. We love you both equally just the same. From West Central Missouri, uh, the Garden City Ranchers. Uh, we really don't know how many episodes it's been, but we haven't missed a single one. What else did we do when Dr. Future and Tom Bionic unplugged the recorder? Well, thank you very, very much. <clears throat> it was a great note. And I got a few more. Let's see here. Uh, heard from our friend that person is anonymous I did actually figure out that we can figure out we know what people's names are on Give, Send, Go so just so you know I think I said previously that you're anonymous even to me that's not true Uh, but do put whatever name you want to be called in to the name part of the donation because your actual name does come to me I found it on like a separate spreadsheet I didn't even know I I could get to so oh very cool <clears throat> yes uh oh i wanted to read this one real quick this is from our uh, our friend pad uh good morning sir listen to you talk about giving your son some advil or something for fever i 100 percent understand it's freaky to watch your child act like linda blair when sick or <laughs> detoxing the body which i now believe to be true uh, which which I now believe is what's going on, just like your co-host. A tip from a farm gal, his or my mom, from northern Saskatchewan. My son had been sick for a few days, and I was already very nervous about all the meds, including antibiotics, so I really tried to limit the cold remedies. This was in the late 90s. Anywho, my mom called and suggested a bath instead of more Advil. You start with a normal body temp, or at least the temp that your child is at, so not to be uncomfortable. When you put him in the water, now you watch the magical transformation as the water cools and in turn, he cools. Crazy demon turned into a nice little boy playing with bath toys. I'll never forget that lesson. Peace. Pat. Oh, <clears throat> and that good is... Good advice. And I've also heard that uh, you basically heat the house up and then, you know, more or less take their clothes off so that they can, the heat, it makes it easier for the heat to escape their, their body there. Interesting. So, yeah, um, but you don't you don't want it like cold. You don't want them that that doesn't help. But uh, yeah, the, the the bath just kind of normalizes there. It's, the bath was awesome. I love the bath. The bath is a, a really great tool, especially with the fever. Uh, and he responds really well to it. That particular moment was two in the morning, and the whole house was asleep, and a bath just wasn't going to happen. Right. Uh, this is our friend, uh, Wait, and you, it wasn't Advil, it was ibuprofen, which if you're going to do anything, that's the, something that's probably the one to do. Definitely not Tylenol. Strangely, not Tylenol. After all these years, we find out it's dangerous. Go ahead and look at the safety profile. It's the safest Tylenol. Like 10,000 <laughs> people a year die from Tylenol. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, this is from our friend up there in Canada, the Canadian pilot. Hey guys, just read an article on Zero Hedge. You might appreciate the ramifications. Of course, we know this is a necessary component of the technocracy. In Canada, it would seem, is trying to position itself as the forefront of such an overthrow. After all, Elon Musk's grandfather was arrested in Canada 80 years ago for attempting to establish a technocracy. He was leader of the Technocracy Inc. in Canada. God bless you guys. Here's the article. But it looks like everyone would be issued a carbon allowance card that would entail all adults receiving an equal tradable carbon allowance that reduces over 
time in line with the national carbon targets. Yeah, I know. Old Elon, we need to establish the Martian technocracy. Yeah. It's just for Mars, though, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, this is, you know, totally unrelated to uh, Canadian, to that Canadian pilot friend, but I, I received an email about um, what's going on with pilots in Canada. Oh. So, again, totally unrelated. Okay. Um, if you're listening from the from the government or from an airline, totally unrelated to the person we mentioned previously. Uh, it says, but it, I'll just say a reliable source. Uh, it says there's been a measurable increase in pilot inca- incapacitation and subsequent diversions. Mm. Um, this is not. This is based on our research and not publicly disclosed info. We've heard from many vax harmed pilots, many not wanting to tell their aviation medical examiner for fear of losing their jobs. Furthermore, they have not required an in-person medical exam in three years. Typically, pre-COVID, interesting. These yeah. in-person medical exams would involve an EKG blood and urine samples, prostate exam. I mean, they'd really do the full medical exam. The, uh, the last three has been um, one by attestation. That's just, uh, you just sign a paper saying you're healthy. And the last two were over the phone. Wow. So, so we're doing the, telemedicine on some of the, I mean, this is a, for those who don't know, this is a super important facet of pilots because pilots, you know, put people's lives in their hands. When I was in the Navy, you know, those guys got checked up all the time. You're going up, you're going to go Mach 3 or whatever in a fighter jet. They want to make sure you're healthy. <laughs> you're not going to lose the bird, much less yeah. lose a bird with a bunch of people on board. It, uh, health is extremely important. That's why pilots are always in, in, usually in twos, obviously not fighter pilots, but commercial pilots they always fly in twos in case one of them becomes incapacitated we just over this last week had someone die yeah on radio die on yeah basically on takeoff yeah so and the other you know the co-pilot and there happened to be other pilots on board and they were able to get the plane down safely but yeah uh so back to the email um this anonymous pilot speculates that they will say, you know, in future years, well, it's just uh, these all these medical issues. It's just because of the backlog because we didn't we weren't f- doing all the the in-person medical exams. So it'll become a, an excuse. That's why all the kids are sick, by the way. Did you know that? I was, I was hearing that recently. All the, <laughs> all the kids are sick because they didn't do their their child well visits during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Cause not enough vaccines. That's why. Yeah. Because because. All the kids are sick with, uh, you know, measles, mumps, and rubella. Yeah, but yeah. not dying suddenly. Sid's down for kids, up for adults, though. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was weird, you know, when they, they stopped doing all the well-child visits and, and we cured SIDS and just didn't talk about it. That was interesting. <laughs> cured, yeah. cured SIDS and the flu overnight. Yeah. Man, they hid that data so well after that. I remember Chris White talking about that. Like, since then, it's hard to find the overall death data. Mm-hmm. They've hidden yeah. it deep. 
because that was that was the that was the canary in the coal mine. The overall death yep. data was relatively unchanged. Yep. You can't so find that data anymore. I bet it's changed. Yeah. Yes. Lots of uh, lots of death and destruction. So. Absolutely. Uh, we had a quick one from our buddy David in suburb of Massachusetts. We don't have to read that. I think we're good. Uh, I had one. Got some some good uh, material. I don't think I'm going to get to it on the episode. It'll it'll be in the show notes though. But uh, oh, where did that come from? I should check the Gibson Go to see if there is there is some notes with some stuff here. Caroline sent a, a Dave Colon clip, and I had not actually right. seen yeah. Dave Colon, so that was good. And some nice emails, and so the video. Let's see, mass immigration and the deliberate destruction of our nations. A bit shoot special there. I, I got some notes that came through on the Give, Send, Go website. I'll just read them real quick. Danny didn't say anything. Caleb said, congratulations on 300, fellas. You've given an unrealized ton of value. I appreciate your approach of finding more alternative media clips and mixing it with mainstream. It's like the greatest hits release every week. Hope you guys keep it rolling. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, Scott, you guys are doing a great... Scott is, I think, the one you're sending a book to. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the good work. I would love to have one of Andrew's book. Here's my address. And then Maddie B. A big congratulations on the 300 episode uh, milestone. So here's $300 in fiat. Thank you. I really appreciate the research and work you both put into the show and always enjoy listening to your banter. Keep it up. I hope you're both feeling better this week. Cheers. (laughs) And we are. Thank you. Uh, not the Illuminati said congratulations on 300. I want to let you guys know I appreciate your show and all the work you do. And I have buried a million dollars in non sequential dollar bills for you guys. You will find it at, and then it, that's it. There's nothing else. It just cuts <laughs> off. <laughs> and then uh, our buddy Sid just gave us, he threw us a hundred bucks that was earlier today. And he all he said was, The earth is not flat, Andrew. So, smiley face. So. Okay. There we go. You can. I will. uh, Anyone who sends us a hundred dollars, I take your opinion very seriously, (laughs) even when you're wrong. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys. Truly, this is what makes it work. This is what makes the show work. The the fact we get value from you guys. The fact that you guys send emails. The fact that you guys send stories. We got. We have inside scoops from pilots. We have stuff coming out from doctors. We have, you know, people who, you know, know the scoop on grounding. I mean, we got awesome listeners here. So, uh, and they always send in good value. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We also, it looks like we got, we're up to 19 prayers. People have clicked the pray button, prayed for us out here on Give, Sing, Go. So we appreciate prayers as well. Any stories you can send us, any info you can send us. And of course, any monetary value you can send us. You can always, we could always use it. This is episode 300. Next will be episode 301. If you'd like to be a producer, contributor to that episode, go to... Oh, I fixed the URL. So I can just give this one out too. GiveSendGo.com backslash Revelations Radio News. That's it. All right. GiveSendGo.com backslash Revelations Radio News. Or you can go to RevelationsRadioNews.com or EugenicsWars.com. Plenty of ways to get there. 
Uh, there is a, uh, looks like a buy me a coffee and a PayPal, the lonely PayPal button. Nobody, <laughs> nobody using the old PayPal anymore, but uh, we appreciate the donations anyway we can get them. And you can always send them snail mail through the P.O. Box, which uh, is also listed there on the website. Uh, P.O. Box 7331, Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, Zip code 73083. Address that to me, Tim Kilkenny. I think that's good. it. Yeah, thank you, everybody. And so. Th- Here's the 300 uh, more, buddy. Yeah, well, you know, one at a time. Revelations Radio. <laughs> 52 shows a year, man. We got to do. Let's <laughs> go. Three more. Have a, well, if. If we did 50 shows a year for six years, that'd be three, 300 more. So, so by 2028. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? <laughs> That's what I'm be? saying. That's we take them one at a time. Yeah, but by we're 20, 20, we're gonna keep going. 2028. Are they gonna let us even interface with computers if we haven't taken the mark? <laughs> what? What? Sorry. <laughs> so, Sorry, well. that was dark. I apologize. <laughs> All right. So, sp- speaking of kind of a heavy topic Oof. so <laughs> so chris uh chris white we we talked about maybe having him on the podcast and he uh just i guess somewhat randomly sent me an email back at the end of october and he said uh hey brother hope all is well i was doing some research on cancer i'm thinking about a documentary but not sure yet one of the guys that I think is on the right track about cancer also had a video about Lyme. I only watched about five minutes of it, but it seems similar to his cancer theory. Uh, you've probably heard heard it all with Lyme, but I thought I would send it just in case. And if you're interested in the cancer video he did, it is here. Okay, so that's, that's how this saga started. So I've got a little disclaimer. So I want people to take this information from the standpoint of I think it's interesting and plausible. Um, I am not as sure, you know, I'm not sure of this information. I'll put it that way. So this is not, uh, not truth claims. It's just, Hmm, that's an interesting way of looking at it and we should research more. So in in your defense, I think that's kind of been our, uh, like our thought process on the whole grounding situation. We were like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Seems, seems like it might work. Maybe. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And that was that was how I felt about the copper thing, too. But then it yeah. kind of became like, uh, well, Andrew said we should all be taking lots of copper. And that's, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to avoid that. What's weird is, never mind. Yeah. There's, a, there's a joke in there, especially related to Chris White. <clears throat> but never <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> okay. So. Copper Tim. I, the idea that the mainstream uh, medical advice, research, uh, funding of research, promotion, treatment, all of it, uh, of cancer, the idea of that being full of lies and wrong is very plausible to me. Yeah, seems... Okay. I, when I you could- look... When you look at the medical system and the track record of pretty much everything that's happened with Rockefeller medicine since, you know, they kept the kept the homeopath for himself but made sure that all the medical schools went allopathic. Yeah. 
not not the greatest record. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as James Corbett's big "How Big Oil Conquered the World," and then you just kind of tangentially right into them. They also conquered medic medicine. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that was the original email there from Chris. So I, of course, said, yes, you should do a documentary. And it's an interesting subject. So he, um, and I said I was certainly interested, you know, if he had more more stuff to share. So now, uh, November 4th, he said, um, Chris wrote and said, I recently heard a theory that cancer is caused by microparasites, referred to by mainstream cancer researchers as extracellular vesicles, like exosomes, which they believe to be particles of cells, not parasites. Video below, which we'll link all these. I, I don't have, you know, I don't have clips from all of them. I do have clips from some of them. Uh, mainstream cancer researchers know that people with cancer have abnormally active extracellular vesicles. They also know that these vesicles seem to be the primary way that cancer cells infect healthy cells and metastasize in other parts of the body. Uh, and he's got some links here from the conspiracy rag PubMed. So I've got some PubMed papers here, including if you just do a search on PubMed for um, extracellular plus vesicles. They also know that different parasite species can release and communicate with these extracellular vesicles to further the parasite's aims. So these supposed extracellular vesicles sure act an awful lot like parasites. I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that they're parasites, it's just they act a whole lot like they were parasites. Um, if some extracellular vesicles are in fact microparasites, it would be supportive of the metabolic theory of cancer, which I wholeheartedly agree with. So this is something that if you've listened to Chris White's podcast, he's been talking about for quite a while. The metabolic theory of cancer, which is kind of the alternative view of cancer as opposed to the uh, the current dominant uh, National Cancer Society form. And he explains it a little bit here. He's got a, a video from Dr. Thomas Seafried and Jeffrey Dack, D-A-C-H. Um, he says, the metabolic theory of cancer states that something is causing the mitochondria in the cell to malfunction, which then causes the nucleus to produce bad code, not the other way around, as the mainstream view teaches. That's important, because when you have the mainstream genetic view of cancer, you end up like, um, being told like Angelina Jolie, like, hey, you've got the, the breast cancer gene. Go have a double mastectomy as a preventative measure. That's still rampant. I actually spoke to someone fairly recently who had an acquaintance who did it. <clears throat> so this is, they're saying it's your genetics that are are bad, basically. You're faulty. This is... This also, to me, that view screams eugenics, too. Like, bad genes. The problem is bad genes. Do you think Angelina Jolie really did it? Maybe it's just a PR Oh, yeah. Stunt. I know, but I'm just No, saying, no. Maybe no, it's just a... 100% she really did it. She's a freak, man. She's... I, I know, but she might be in on it. 
Well, she's in on it, but in on it like all the way through chopping her own breasts off for the sake of the Illuminati cause there. All right. Also, you know, I guess they gave her a choice of you can either do this or be, or go trans. Which would you like to do? So, I think I think some of her kids went trans. That's got to be half a point. Oh yeah, she's got a trans kid. Yeah, bonus bonus points. All right, back to this. Uh, the metabolic theory doesn't propose what is causing the mitochondria to fail, but if the cell was being invaded by extracellular vesicles or parasites, it would could certainly be the cause, and it's a hypothesis that could be tested. Next section, cancer treatments with antiparasitical drugs. It's well documented in peer-reviewed literature that the antiparasitical drugs like fenbendazole, ivermectin, artemisinin, niclosamide, and hydroxychloroquine work to kill cancer cells, including cancer stem cells. More PubMed searches and articles. And then a link to the uh, Amazon.com Cracking Cancer Toolkit Repurpose Treatment ebook. Antiparasitical drugs also seem to have the most genuine success stories online, one of which is Joe Tippins from Edmond, Oklahoma. And I do have this clip in the, the clip list here. It is under Edmund Mann says cheap drug for dogs cured as cancer. You want to play that? When you tell someone that a medicine for dogs cured your cancer, you better be ready for some skeptics. But Joe Tippin says it did save his life and others. And now even cancer researchers are open to the possibility it might be true. My neck, my liver, my pancreas, my bladder, in my bones, it was everywhere. Two years ago, Joe Tippin says he was told to go home call hospice and say his goodbyes. The doctors were unanimous. He was going to die of small cell lung cancer. Once that kind of cancer goes that far afield, the odds of survival are less than 1% and the median life expectancy is three months. Tippin says he went from 220 pounds to 110, but that was January of 2017. Today, Tippins is very much alive, and what he credits for his survival has doctors scratching their heads and the rest of us raising eyebrows. About half the people think I'm just crazy, and half the people want to know more and dig deeper. Tippins says he got a tip, not from a pharmacist, but a veterinarian. And in his desperation, he turned from people medicine to dog medicine, specifically fimbindazole, or what you give a dog when it has worms. Yeah, truth is stranger than fiction, you know. Just three months later, <laughs> Tippin says his cancer was gone. I'm usually skeptical, and I was, and maybe still am about uh, this one. But there's there's a lot of there's an interesting background to this. Cancer researchers like Stephen Prescott are skeptical, but they also are not dismissing this anti-parasitic's potential. He says Tippins is not the first person to potentially benefit, and maybe not the last. Scientists at many credible places have done work on this for years. But was it the dog dewormer, or was it something else? 
Tippins took the dog medicine with daily vitamin E supplements and CBD oil. He was also taking an experimental cancer-fighting drug. But Tippins says out of the 1,100 patients on that clinical trial, he was the only one cleared of cancer. Tippins says he was saved by the dog dewormer, and he plans to take it for the rest of his life. Oh, my insurance company spent $1.2 million on me with traditional means before I switched to a $5 a week medicine that actually saved me. Prescott says he's now working with Tippins to organize a case study. We're going to do it and see if we can confirm that uh, in a very rigorous or a clinical study sort of way that these patients had that kind of response. As for Tippins, I've got now over 40 success stories other than me. He's sharing his story on an online blog that has already been read more than 100,000 times. Most of the feedback positive or curious. Some, though, accuse Tippins of giving cancer patients false hope. <sighs> How do I answer that? I mean, if I've saved one other person other than me, it's worth it to me. All we know for sure is that Joe Tippins is alive. In time, perhaps we'll also know if this medicine made for man's best friend might also be man's newest cancer cure. Fascinating. You know, when you're in the fight for your life, you don't care what it is. If it works no. for you, it works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he says, listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I cannot tell people to take this. I can't. He said, but it worked for me. And if somebody else wants to do the same thing, then they can do it too. Interesting thing, though, is that, you know, he mentioned $5 for that. Mm -hmm. He says it's actually doubled in price. Because when you, tap, when you type in Fimbindazole in Google, one of the first or second things that pops up is cancer cure. Wow. So, the so talk is out there. More and more people are catching on, but just incredible story. Evan, thank you. Yeah. A little local news story there. What's wild about that is that guy is probably the original person I heard about it from. Mm -hmm. From my stepdad, who was an acquaintance of or a friend of a friend of that man. And then I left and I was like, that's a really weird thing for him to say. That's a really strange story to come up with out of nowhere. And then I looked it up and I found that blog. That was mm -hmm. four or five years ago. It was a while, yeah. it was a, it was a yeah. while back and it always stuck in the back of my head like, ah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the, and your, your stepdad knows other people that have taken it, That's some right. successfully and some, some passed away, even, yeah. you know, even though they had tried the fenbendazole. Yep. So, which uh, even Joe Tippin says, you know, people have tried it for some types of cancer and it doesn't work. It's almost like there's, I don't know, different types of parasites, but... Um, and there's, I think there's some other factors at play too. So, uh, I've got a link to his, his blog there, mycancerstory.rocks. This is his website. Um, if cancer, so the, this is back oh, to right. what, to what Chris wrote. If cancer was caused by microparasites, it might explain why some alternative cancer treatments that have uh, that have been proven to have efficacy against cancer work. That is because those treatments would also be harmful to parasites, such as intravenous vitamin C and curcumin. Okay, and there's some, again, uh, PubMed stories, PubMed search vitamin C plus cancer, PubMed curcumin plus parasites, and uh, curcumin plus cancer. It could also explain why fasting and 
uh, ketogenic diets show promising but limited success. That is because many parasites uh, metabolize glucose for energy. So, and this is why glucose or sugar, right? Wow. So, this, and the more you start thinking about this, the more this this is like this is a deep conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I believe you had secondhand knowledge from a trusted source that at a children's hospital in the Northwest, that was the first thing they did for patients was put them on a, yes. a keto diet. Absolutely. That is exactly correct. Yeah. yeah. It so, helps, helps with uh, kids who are seizing. It helps with uh, kids who are uh, having cancer issues. Yeah. So I've got a slight detour from Chris's stuff, but I think it's um, it makes sense and ties together in my head. I will attempt to to tie it together uh, for our listeners too. So this is just a, an extreme health radio interview that was done with Stephen Hewer, and this is years ago. Twenty sixteen was the original interview. They just re released it recently as a kind of greatest hits thing. I've got some clips of what he's talking about is uh, seed oils, but not just the bad seed oils, also like why they're bad and then the benefits or or what you need from one source or another, uh, but basically good good seed oils, which is kind of news to me. I didn't know there were good seed oils. So uh, let's do... Um, EHR Stephen Hewer explains. No, actually, sorry. Uh, do the health food seed oils clip. If you were to go to a health food store and you were to buy out of the refrigerated section an oil in a dark bottle under refrigeration, mm-hmm. that oil is pressed at 1920s technology. So it's a corkscrew press. The seeds are fed into it, and the, 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 the head of where the pressing is taking place is heated up to 120 degrees, and the seeds come up to that head, and through friction heat and mechanical grinding, the seeds are ground, the oils are ground, the heat causes more release of the oils, and oxygen is all being mixed in and pushed into and ground into the oils. Okay. So the oil is automatically 10% oxidized by the time you press it, and it's structurally damaged. And just like amino acids that make up proteins have to retain the shape that nature gave them otherwise the body can't use them structurally to make new proteins that's called a denatured amino acid Mm -hmm. hence the value of undenatured amino acids it's the same way with fatty acids the structure of the fatty acid has to be retained what nature with the shape that nature gave the alpha linolenic and the linoleic acid has to be retained for your body to use it otherwise it doesn't work so the structural friction and grinding damages some of that structure thus subtracting greatly from what the seed oil could do for your body. The seed oil um, still has beneficial properties, even in this damaged, oxidized state, as all these studies you could read up on PubMed have all been based upon these kinds of damaged oils. And he's talking about, like, not this, not like canola oil, but he, he does clarify that later. But, uh, 
He's used again. This is 2016, so the seed oil didn't have quite the same connotation then. Sure. But uh, let's see. So the the host. This is a little later in the interview. Brightly says like, "Okay, well, you're saying people need to take these seed oils. Well, what about people that you know? This is a new technology. Basically, he's he's promoting this new type of um, seed oil extraction that is like super low temperature and doesn't damage the things that he mentioned, you know, being a problem in the the 1920s technology and, and all the industrial stuff that's, that makes 99% of the seed oils out there. It's kind so, of funny at the, uh, super crunchy granola, expensive, uh, grocery co-op, uh, there in Seattle that I used to shop at on occasion, they would make a big deal about cold pressed oils. Yes, but even so, he claims that even the stuff that's advertised as cold pressed oils in general isn't really cold pressed oils. Hmm. Okay. So that it's it's still like still too hot. It's not as hot as like canola oil, but still still problematic depending on what type it is because it but, is oxidized because there's still yeah 10 percent oxidized you know oxygen that gets in there and the next couple of clips kind of clear that up a little bit so um if people are confused it's all right this should clear it up here the next couple of clips let's do um his response when he's asked about well what about people you know our grandparents, great grandparents, they didn't, they weren't taking this special seed oil stuff, and they were healthy. So what's the deal there? So this uh, coincides. He specifically mentions here in 1945, and we have talked about that. Um, actually, the Copper Guy clips talked about the year 1945. So I just thought this was an interesting um, connection. Synchronicity. Before 1945, when agriculture was still traditional agriculture with no chemicals used, you had grass-based farming and um, farmers paid attention to soil fertility Mm -hmm. such that grass was still the the dominant, that's what herbivores ate. So whether it was your chicken or your cow or your goat or your uh, pig, whatever animal it was, they got grass as a part of their diet or exclusively as their diet. So the grass was giving them a balance of the omega-3 and the omega-6, which was becoming a part of the fatty tissues of the animal. And the animal was also making um, vitamins A, D, and K2 from the grass. So there was this, these three fat-soluble vitamins are part of how your body is able to correctly use minerals and stuff. So there's this whole thing that was, you know, and if you go back even further to the 1930s when Weston A. Price went to Loicho Valley in, uh, I think it's Switzerland, Mm -hmm. where he found that they used this butter as was like a sacred thing that they not only consumed it, but they actually burned their candles from it. Mm -hmm. And the butter was an orange, red, yellow, golden butter. It wasn't a deep yellow. It was literally a red orange. And that that kind of hue or carotenoid content is not seen in today's butter or today's egg yolks. But I've been to Germany. I've seen the red-orange yolks. I've seen what can happen 
to the color of, say, the vitamin A content of the egg yolk, and now that I've read about the butter, mm -hmm. it becomes an orange-red color, which gives you um, a level of nutrition that you can't get that you could say they got their essential fatty acid needs met from this healthy milk, this healthy eggs, these healthy meats with these healthy fats, and they lived in a time where there wasn't the degree of oxidation going on in the atmosphere. There wasn't, you know, mercury in the atmosphere. There wasn't chemtrails in the atmosphere. There wasn't uh, negative electromagnetic fields destroying their cellular membranes and making them have free radical damage. There wasn't the degree of stress and toxicity that we have today. So there's such a higher turnover rate of, our, of a loss of our own cells just from free radical damage and stress and, and a chronic acid pH in our day today that there's more that we have to do. So while our ancestors may have thrived and didn't done well on relying 100% on food sources, that was at a time where soil mineral levels were still decent and people still ate foods nutrient rich enough and lived in an environment that was so much less polluted and so much cleaner that they lived relatively healthy, robust lives. All right. Any thoughts on that? It's interesting for sure. Um, we've talked about a lot of that in different contexts previously but the you know that's why grass-fed beef is good some sort of weird synchronicity with 1945 the Ger in germany right it's okay just, it's just well i'm thank you for thank you for saying that because uh you know the library book i've got here the uh vanda vandana shiva who feeds who really feeds the world the failures of agribusiness and the promise of agroecology oh she, she's she, she's the indian gal yeah she's the indian she's in, gal in the she's, monsanto all the monsanto documentaries and everything she's yeah great. she's she's buddies with uh with kennedy yeah. on and has has done a lot of stuff and you know her nonprofit says let's give farmers real seeds and let's protect the seeds and let's not make them gmo uh gmo seeds so she's kind of like the the uh, mirror version, the good guy version of Bill Gates trying to to have the seed vaults and trying to patent everything. But um, she mentions 1945 and subsequent years over and over again as well. And she says what happened was you had all these uh, chemical weapons manufacturers that had nothing to do. DuPont. And so they're like, well, uh, we, you know, we got all these great chemicals. Let's use it for farming. Bear. Zygon B. So they, they went into the farming business and they went to India specifically and they pushed this green revolution thing. Uh, and, and promised oh, greater yields and, oh, look, you're having problems with drought, which is interesting. They already had weather manipulation available. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure just a normal drought. But uh, they said, oh, you need these special, these special fertilizers to help your crops. So then it all went, it all got pushed in the monoculture, you know, one crop direction. And she goes through the examples of like, you know, they grew 20 different varieties in this one little area, and then it all became one, you know, one variety, and the soil gets stripped out, and they 
pumping a bunch of nitrogen in. And so this uh, post-World War II conversion of weapons, chemical weapons to uh, uh, chemical weapons for farming is, is kind of her, hmm. her big thing there. So that's, uh, you know, that explains the 1945 thing. It's not random why that year was significant. So we got one more Stephen Hewer clip. You want to play that one? They keep seeing that Omega-6 is causing inflammation and that Omega-3 is um, the one that's more deficient. And uh, and then there's even debate on that in other circles where they're saying, oh, no, there's too much omega-3 and we need to emphasize omega-6. So you're going to hear contradictory people saying different things. And I think it has to boil down to partly to what oils are you to re- referring to in the studies you're doing? And it's it's always because the oils are oxidized. Okay. Oh, so whether right. that's the fish oil or whether that's the, the seed oil, the study information might be negative because the, they use oxidized oils. And uh-huh. the, the results are not negative when the oils are unoxidized. So I contend that the omega-6 and omega-3 ratio is, in, is a non-issue for the most part, if you're getting both of them, when they're unoxidized. Now, where are but, people getting omega-6 or too much omega-6? So omega-6 is naturally occurring in all the oils. So whether you're eating some bread that has canola oil in it at the health food store uh-huh. or whether you're eating um, a salad dressing, pre-made salad dressing with oil that's got some soybean oil or canola oil. It's, canola oil is the most dominant one. Most health food store pre-prepared items have some degree or I should say a lot of them have some degree of canola oil or soybean oil in them, which are omega-6 oils. Okay. <clears throat> so you have a preponderance of omega-6 vegetable oils in pre-prepared foods everywhere and that's what people are getting, whether it's their health food store person or whether they're shopping at a regular commercial supermarket or whether they're buying restaurant food. It's all high excess in omega-6. Omega-6. And it's all oxidized omega-6. Oh. So oxidized omega-6, basically what that is, that's an 18-carbon chain molecule with three or more openings on the fatty chain called a polyunsaturated fat Oxygen has become bound to those three openings, mm-hmm. so now the oxygen is going to go into the cell in the body, and it's going to steal electrons from your tissues, creating free radical damage. Oh, so that, okay. that so is what oxidized oils are. So when you make, when you properly press the oils, like what Andreas is doing with these Andreas seed oils, is you end up with an oil where the oxygen has not become bound into it. All of the antioxidant properties naturally in the seed oil, the pigments and stuff, are naturally present. So you're going to protect those antioxidants are going to grab and stop the oxygen from reaching the fatty acid that could become oxidized. So you have this protection mechanism as well as the, the careful pressing process plus it's stored in myron glass. So you have a completely unoxidized omega-6 and omega-3. Well, what do they do? They're shuttled around. Once they, once they get in the body, your LDL cholesterol shuttles around omega-3 and omega-6 to the cells, to the body, so that the body could use them. They become a part of the cell wall, and hence you've got functionality to the cell where it's going to attract oxygen into the cell as a result of that. And that's also why Joanna Budwig had such success with her anti-cancer program was because she brought in fresh-pressed flax oil with cottage cheese and she had 90% success rate curing cancer in the 1950s because she was basically increasing the body's cellular oxygenation capacity, which tumor cells can't grow in oxygen-rich environment. All right, so there's the, the connection back. 
And there's an episode of Extreme Health Radio with uh, Joanna Budwick or someone talking about her book or something that I have not listened to yet. So cottage cheese and flaxseed oil. Interesting. But the, if I understand it correctly, the idea is that if you have oxidized oils, your cells end up not getting enough oxygen into them. Right. And that, and if there's, then they start, you know, if they're not getting the right fats, they start feeding on glucose and you've got an environment that, um, parasites or cancer or cancer parasites can, can survive and, 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 you know, take over basically. And that goes back to one of my pet peeves, one of my hunches that I've always kind of held on to, and that is, aside from antiparasitics like venbendazole and ivermectin, but uh, inflammation. It's all yes. about the inflammation. Yeah. And if you let these things kind of infest, I'm sure that your area gets inflamed and then you're in a world of herd afterwards. I was also thinking about uh, when he was going through that clip of talking about inflammation at the beginning there. The number one way that you get parasites out or that it appears that you get viruses, quote unquote, out is by, you know, you get a fever, you know, mm-hmm. but raise the body temperature so they're uncomfortable. Going back to earlier this year, my minor obsession with uh, ice baths um, is the same sort of deal, right? You can right. greatly reduce your inflammation of your body by lowering the body temperature so that the inflammation doesn't happen. But it'd be interesting to think that. You're quite possibly then making your body less comfortable or uh, viable for a parasite. Well, by, and by there, dropping your body temperature. So there is, there's also controversy, and I don't even know that I I come down hard on one side or the other at this point. Uh, but the natural health people, there's some of them, like what we heard last week with. Lee, Lee Merritt saying, you, you know, you want to kill the parasites, which makes sense to me. But when you hear about the process and, okay, this, you kill the, the mama parasite and then that, the hormone that's keeping all the egg, you know, all the cysts of the parasite from hatching stops and then they all hatch and you got, you know, 20,000 or 200,000 parasites instead of one. Um, That's Hmm. not ideal Hmm. either. So there's some natural health people that are like, no, you don't want to try to use drugs to kill all the parasites. You got to do this other stuff so that your body is, um, you know, basically able to either live with them or they're not able to thrive or I'm not sure what the, you know, it seems like you got to kill them at some point to me, but. Well, I mean, you could always just take a bunch of copper and let them escape out of your eye. <laughs> well, they. I wish they'd all gone out of my eyes. I don't think that. I think there's still some in there, unfortunately. But uh, all right. So, is this? I think it's interesting. You think it's interesting? Oh, absolutely. No, this is. Yeah. Uh, it's. 
it's 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 paradigm shifting i think in a lot of ways yeah. if people think on it and i'm sure they can send us some stuff in and we don't know what we're talking about we're just yeah i mean knowing our listeners there's a large number of them that are, that are like did tim and andrew seriously not know this stuff already no uh, i don't know. think so i don't think that's true <laughs> i think they, there may be people who know a little bit here and there but i don't think yeah. so i think that they i mean it's crazy it's crazy. When I when my stepdad first told me that, like four or five years, I'm like, what are you talking about this guy? And like he like looks at me dead in the face and I'm like, this guy's never lied to me before. What is he telling me about? Yeah. <laughs> what is he telling me about this this dog dewormer? And then ever since then I've been like, huh, that's weird. That's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And then the more you look at it, you know, uh even Chris was talking about this a couple of years ago. I think it was 2020. He was already starting to talk about Artemisian. So um, the more you look at this stuff, the. Yeah. So there's, there's a Facebook group called the uh, parasites are the cause of all disease, which I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, but I, I did ask to join the group. So <laughs> on the scale of died suddenly to copper is the answer to everything. Where does this, <laughs> this is, this was a, a, the parasites are the cause of all disease was posted in the, uh, copper. Of course it was. Group. Yeah. Of so. I would like uh, to point out to you and the listeners, I am all in on ivermectin again. So, okay. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm doing better. This last oh, week, nice. it was a it was a quick turnaround, like twenty four to forty eight hours after that last show, where I was literally during one of your last clips, I was like laying on the floor, <laughs> just trying to get through it, and then uh, yeah, it was strange. I, I took I took a bunch of it, and then uh, I, I took it in the morning, and then took it at night, and I think it was day two or three. I woke up, and you ever have like a like a tingling feeling in your nose, like you know stuff is in there, and like you start sneezing a bunch. I think you mentioned this on a clip, or somebody mentioned this on a clip, or one of the things that you brought recently, talking about that they thought that, you know, they had possible, you know, dead parasites in there or whatever. Yeah, I think, well, maybe that was the, the Lee Merritt Yeah, the Lee Merritt stuff, stuff. from last week, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I had that the, sensation. The cold, sim- cold symptoms are, you know, dead yeah. parasite caused. Yeah. yeah. Dead parasites are toxins. I had that uh, sensation and then continued on another 24 to 48 hours. I was back at the gym. So Nice. Yeah, I think you... I think I am pretty convinced of the idea of your body is you know, not infested with viruses, it's trying to get rid of some toxic deal. And that's why you're, you know, snotty and everything else. And so I I definitely think the trying to help your body get stuff out is probably the way to go as opposed to just suppressing those, quote, symptoms. Taking pills? Well, like the, you know, antihistamines or stuff like that that just kind of suppress hey let's go real old school i've i've always been a fan not always but as an adult last five ten years i've been a fan of the neti pot you're familiar Mm. with the neti pot i'm not a user of the neti pot but i am familiar with it yeah yeah so you basically take saline water and and uh, flush it through your nostrils 
Yeah. And uh, I, as someone who has struggled with uh, sinusitis half a dozen times in my adult life, it is uh, it's a lifesaver. It's good stuff. Mm. You know, you pour yeah. pour pour the water through, and uh, I don't want to get too further. <laughs> <laughs> much further into people it. can figure it out yeah people can figure yeah. it out yeah. <laughs> all right we'll jump back into this uh chris continues so this this is right after the uh curcumin and uh vitamin c and then it goes into there appears to be at least two types of these extracellular vesicles other than the larvae which might help to explain why certain antiparasitic drugs only work on some kinds types or some kinds of cancer and other types of parasitic drugs work on other types of cancer. Fembendazole doesn't have much of an effect on triple negative breast cancer according to Tippins, but artemisinin with iron supplements do. And that's a PubMed article there. That is because there are at least two different types of parasites that are involved and just like it is with larger parasites, different drugs have different methods of action, which may or may not affect certain types. This is why a systematic protocol followed by cancer diagnostics probably is the way to go if this theory is anywhere close to accurate. I don't even think it matters if these tiny vesicles are actually parasites or not, because as long as you treat cancer as if it were a parasitical disease, you could have more success than with the traditional treatment but I recommend researching all this for yourself and if possible, finding a doctor who can work with you in your treatment since there are many drug interactions and health conditions that can react very poorly to certain types of antiparasitic drugs. Here are a few online communities that are supportive of antiparasitic treatments for cancer and where members share their knowledge and experiences with these protocols. Uh, One of them is the Natural Health Library and the other ones aren't clear from the title, but uh, we'll have links for them. And they are, they're private groups, so you have to, you know, tell them you're not a fed to get in. Just FYI. Um, (laughs) I love his emails. So, literally no, like, no salutation, right? This is the November 16th email. I already forwarded this to you, but it starts out, I had a bit of a breakthrough, and the plot thickens. A cellular biologist PhD seems to have figured all all this out a few decades ago, like every detail, artemisinin and everything. And this gal is uh, Holda Regeer-Clark. He says, but it didn't end well for her. And he's got the Wikipedia article on her life, which ended in, according to the official sources anyway... Uh, so she claimed to have the cure for all cancer, and she died of cancer, according to, you know, it's, oh, it showed her, she must have been crazy. Uh, so there is, all right, I'll, I'll skip down, uh, drclark.net is a website that is kind of dedicated to her stuff, so people can check that out. Um, make up their own mind about whether they think she's crazy or onto something or somewhere in between. And uh, back to what Chris said, he says one part that's a little woo-woo is the zapper. She has this little contraption called the zapper. 
but before you dismiss it, check out this guy saying the same thing. And he's got a link to a TEDx talk, uh, Shattering Cancer with Resident Frequencies by I'm, Anthony Holland. I'm jumping in. Go for it. This is the Twitter clip that I came across this week, and I knew you were presenting this. So it was just a weird synchronicity. I'm using the word the third time I've used the word. So weird synchronicity that this clip came across my Twitter timeline. Uh, but I got to jump in right here to play it. Perfect. The cure for cancer has already been found. In 1938, a scientist named Dr. Royal Raymond Reif cured 16 cancer patients using frequencies and resonance. After creating the world's most powerful microscope in the 1920s to study viruses and bacteria, he realized he could use electromagnetic frequencies to destroy these viruses. He discovered that every cell and molecule vibrates at its own distinct frequency, and that by beaming plasma rays of the same frequency at those cells, you actually amplify their frequency and destroy them. This happens because of something known as resonance. When two things of the same frequency come together, they actually amplify each other's frequency. This is actually how opera singers are able to destroy wine glasses. When their voice matches the resonant frequency of the glass, it makes the glass vibrate at a higher frequency, making it vibrate more intensely and causing it to shatter. Resonance can basically amplify the vibration of anything and destroy it. From something as small as a wine glass to something as large as a bridge. Now in this same way, Rife created a device that could shatter cells by matching the resonant frequency. By sending an impulse of electromagnetic waves of the same frequency as the cell, you amplify its vibration and disintegrate it. When he did, his Rife machine destroyed 60% of the cancer cells in his patients. Now sadly, some greedy people at the time thought that this was bad for their medical business and getting money from cancer patients, so they found ways to destroy Rife's career and his new invention. Even on Google, some pages like Medical News still tell you that this device is a hoax. Now, this would be believable if other people had not reproduced the same results also using frequencies and resonance. Such as this guy from TED Talks who also discovered electric fields of certain frequencies destroyed cancer cells. We now know that cancer is vulnerable between the frequencies of 100,000 Hertz and 300,000 Hertz. So now we attack leukemia cells. He then shows how he destroyed leukemia cells and also pancreatic cancer cells using resonance. Also being able to destroy 60% of cells like Rife did and slowing the growth rate of cancer by 65%. And here's another video of another person also discovering a very similar thing. By using a technique called histotripsy which uses sound waves to destroy cancer tissue. Also, There you go. So that... That little, little clip within the clip was this Anthony Holland guy, yep. and uh, which, which is worth uh, going and watching if you haven't seen it. Shattering cancer with resonant frequencies. It's got the uh, TEDx disclaimer note from TED. Please do not look to this talk for medical advice. We've flagged this talk, which was filmed at a TEDx event, because it appears to fall outside TEDx's content guidelines. Resident frequency therapy has not been proven effective by scientific research. No no widespread evidence that resident frequency has been. Yeah. So, you know, watch the watch the presentation but it's a lot of it's visual you know he's got the pictures of the cells and what have you i think there is his argument though 
is a little bit different from Rife. Um, he just basically just started going through the frequencies and eventually, I think it was like 11 times. And, uh, I don't know. You can w- watch to how he figured out which one worked, but um, he's a music teacher slash experimenter with resonant frequencies. And I had to go to the source of all truth. You know, clearly these are dangerous people. And of course, there is a Reuters fact check. Not just about uh, Anthony Holland, but specifically about that video that you played. So, which is kind of what they always do. They always focus on like whatever social media post. Right. And this is super easy to dismiss. It has the same. Tick, that's a TikTok video. I don't have TikTok. I only have Twitter, but that is 100% lifted from TikTok. You can tell yeah. by the format. has the same creepy sound effects. That the There's a blonde guy that does a lot of flat earths and kind of weird frequency stuff. You know, same, you know. And these, these kids are teenagers, early 20s, big eyes. You know, just look at this. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> Super easy to dismiss, especially with Wait till someone tells them 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> Super easy to uh, fact check and, uh, you know, have something like Reuters or AP say, well, this isn't true, but it's not the 14 year old on the TikTok video. Right. We're talking about the guy who created the most powerful microscope and then started zapping cells with it. And a guy (laughs) who reproduced that later and did a TED talk. It's not... It's just always funny. There's no widespread yeah. evidence that this TikTok video is well, true. Don't, and don't ruin don't ruin my punchlines, man. My apologies. So, all right. Uh, fact check targeting cancer cells with resident frequencies has not been shown to quote cure cancer by Reuters fact check. There's no widespread evidence. Social media claims that research by American inventor Royal Raymond Reif in the 1920s and 30s, as well as modern techniques that use targeted low-frequency energy, represent a workable cancer cure, are missing the context that none of these approaches has ever been demonstrated to cure a person or animal of cancer. A TikTok video widely shared on Facebook asks, Did you know that the cancer... The cure for cancer has already been found, and then goes on to describe some aspects of the work of Royal Raymond Reif, an American engineer and microscope inventor. Reif developed a theory that targeted bacterial cells with electromagnetic energy at a frequency determined by the organism's own unique energy frequency would create a cell-shattering resonance. The video also cites two modern researchers by name as examples of contemporary cancer therapy approaches based on this idea of cellular resonant frequent energy frequencies. The video can be... Okay, let's get the... And get some details wrong as it focuses on Rife's use of targeted energy to destroy cancer cells. Not noted in the video, for example, is that Rife believed cancer-causing viruses and bacteria had specific frequencies, not the cancer cells themselves, and that killing these pathogens would destroy the cancer cell along with the microbes. The video claims residents can basically amplify the frequency of anything and destroy it, and that Rife created a device that could shatter cells by matching the resident frequency. His Rife machine destroyed 60% of cancer cells in his patients. Now, sadly, some greedy people at the time thought this was bad for the medical business, so they found ways to destroy Rife's career in his new invention. Yeah, that would never happen. Uh, the, the speaker then 
cautions that medical news calls Rife's findings a hoax, adding this would be believable if other people hadn't reproduced the same results, also using frequencies and resonance. The speaker in the video cites the example of researcher Anthony Holland, who is said to have destroyed leukemia cells and also pancreatic cancer cells using resonance, also destroying 60% of cells like Rife did and slowing the growth of cancer by 65%. Next, the video shows an image of Christine Gibbons, currently CEO of the company Histosonics, which, while the narration mischaracterizes Gibbons' tech company's technology as using sound waves to destroy cancer tissue, also by matching the cancer's resonant frequency. Reuters has previously fact-checked claims that modern-day Rife machines, which are marketed as being based on Rife's original design and theory, can cure cancer. Other outlets have also addressed the fact that modern Rife machines and other low-energy technologies might sound similar, that might sound similar have never been scientifically tested and shown to cure cancers in people. While Rife's experiments breaking up cells in the lab are well documented, no clinical trials or scientific studies of the effects of Rife's original devices on cancers or other diseases in patients have been published, according to reviewers that looked for them, and to a vendor selling Rife machine accessories and historical compilations of Rife-related documents and interviews. Blah, 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 blah. They are really hoping you're not still reading this stupid fact check at this point. Yeah. They just keep repeating the same thing over and over. Well... The elephant in the room is that who decides who gets to do the scientific studies and clinical trials? <laughs> Anthony Fauci and that whole establishment that's got millions and millions and billions of dollars on the line. You think they're going to go for the cheap sound wave stuff? No, 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 no. We got some. Can we get some radiation going? Can we get some some chemotherapy going? If not, forget about it. So. It's not that these are proven not to work. It's just we, they haven't been tested because they haven't been allowed to be tested. All right. <clears throat> Dr. David Gorski, a professor of surgery at Wayne State University School of Medicine and a breast cancer surgeon and researcher, told Reuters by email that apart from anecdotes and testimonials, he is unaware of any evidence that validates Rife's claims or work. <laughs> okay. Anecdotes and testimonials. In other words, like, yeah, I cured my cancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's without evidence. That's not real evidence. Come on. It's, this is not a NIH-funded study, so it doesn't count. Gorski, who's also managing editor of the Science-Based Medicine website, added, I haven't seen evidence that it's ever been successfully tested in any models of cancer. What does that mean? Like a c computer model? Like what, what does that mean? What's that? <laughs> Music professor and composer Anthony Holland, cited in the video posted to Facebook, conducted experiments with bac bacterial and cancer cells in the laboratory, which Holland described in a 2013 TEDx talk. That's what we're talking about. Ted has since flagged the video. See, it proves it's bad with the note saying, and I already read you the note. Holland, who did not respond to a Reuters request for comment, smart man. Explained his approach in the TEDx talk as targeting the cells with energy at two different frequencies to achieve an 11th harmonic that produced a change in the cell's shape and behavior visible under a microscope. 
Holland's theory is he described it differed from Rife's in that the cancer cell types he tested were said to be vulnerable to this energy delivered between the frequencies of 100,000 and 300,000 hertz, but Holland did not claim that the tumor cells had unique frequencies of their own. The company Holland created to pursue the work never reported further tests to explain the significance of the cell-shaped changes observed or any animal or human tests. So I looked at his website... And not it's still up there. You click on you know research projects. You got cancer. You click on cancer, you can get something. Click on Lyme disease, you don't get anything. Uh, all the other ones not really working. How you can help? You can donate. Shattering cancer one cell at a time and. It's going nowhere fast. What what do you know? Believe it or not, Big Pharma's not pouring a bunch of money into Anthony Holland's resident frequency cancer zapper thing. So, it, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether they threatened him, bought him off, I don't know what happened, but uh, not expecting much to come of that. Yeah. Doesn't mean he was wrong, just that I'm just marveling at the fact that I brought a uh social media clip completely randomly and you had already prepared the fact check for that social media clip. And we didn't plan this at all. We've we've done three hundred episodes, man. <laughs> I guess you get to know somebody. It wasn't yeah. I, no, I had no idea you were bringing that exactly. No, I no, I know to, that you read it yeah. even tongue in cheek, but it's just it's funny yeah. that you were prepared to read the, the fact check yeah. <laughs> for something I had purchased or already purchased so, or brought with us. So, so Novo Biotronics is the site, but there's like I said, there's not not a whole lot there. Uh, Doctor Clark net. I one thing she's. She's got kind of the iron good, copper bad stance, which we've been Ooh, through all that, and I'm pretty convinced bad. it's the other way around. Yeah. Oh gosh. Come, come on, hold it. Next thing you're gonna tell me, she, she, she'd, she'd probably doesn't... still be alive if she was on the good side of the copper. Next thing you're gonna tell me, she doesn't even read the King James version of the Bible. It's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely doesn't have the doesn't have the book of enoch included detest oh, detestable a blue hymnal as though, so, as though they're all not supposed to be read all right so we'll we'll get back into it here uh chris says also it turns out that dr lee Merritt has recently gone all in on hold the clark and parasites are pollutants so that is good company and that's where that's when I looked up her website, and that's where I got the clips from last week. I threw them in the so they'll be in the show notes for this week. Um, I don't think we necessarily need to play them again, but the the whole paras, parasite paradigm thing, and then the story with Brian Artist talking to the Egypt parasitologist and being like, "Hey, you know," um, or Brian Artist. Yeah, I believe directly, yeah. So he was talking to the parasitologist and said, you know, these parasites, they look the same way that a a cancer scan looks. Right, that's what you said. That was a clip from last week. Yeah, so... 
All right. And then Lee Merritt has kind of gone into the synthetic parasite explanation for COVID um, affected with 5G and all the rest of it, which to me kind of makes sense that if you've got these frequencies that could potentially destroy parasites, you could have other frequencies either to agitate them or make them do more damage or... And that's, the, that's like even those, if they're not necessarily fully synthetic. So I don't. And that's like those videos that Will has been sending you and I, where yeah. there's something in the vials of the vaccine which is reacting to Wi-Fi and 5G. Yes, and this it is, you know, pretty well accepted that EMF, you know, it's bad for Lyme disease. It's bad for. You know, quite a bit of general health, but it's bad for these specific conditions, which may or may not be related to parasites. So, I don't know. I think there, I still think there is some connection to all of that. Chris disagreed. I don't have that part of his uh, response in here, but is not thinking that the 5G has anything to do with it. Hmm. But that's, you know, so don't. Don't think that me saying that is is him claiming that's the case. All right. Uh, if you didn't check out the parasite protocol, I threw it in the show notes again this time around. Um. Yeah, but like I said, I'm still not sure. I, I'm not planning on do, taking any of it anytime soon until I figure out whether I'm on the kill all the parasites or go a different route standpoint so i think they are a problem but i don't know that you can just kill them all with the prescription drug there so hmm. all right now this is a a new email november 19th um and he has <laughs> he's responding to uh my response where i said uh, in part, the general parasites cause cancer hypothesis is very intriguing. Clark makes some leaps that are hard to follow and in some ways very unnecessary, such as one particular parasite causing all cancers and all sorts of other bad things. I think in some ways she falls into the germ theory of fallacy of these things are present when this bad thing occurs, therefore they must be the cause. Okay, and Chris's response to, to that is, Uh, To me, this was the breakthrough that made it all make sense. I came at this having developed the same theory, but based off of Dr. Jeff Dach's work on repurposed drugs, so I had a fair understanding of the metabolic theory of cancer and the pathways that kill cancer from a non-parasitic point of view. Though it was quite obvious that anti-parasitic drugs were the ones that actually worked usually in combination with something to cut off the glucose, but not always. Then after seeing how these extracellular vesicles invade cells in the videos, I knew it had to be parasitic, especially given that it solved the main problem in the metabolic theory, that is, how the mitochondria was corrupted in the first place. But the problem was the existence of these six or so distinct parasitic forms at such a nanoscale, some as much as a thousand times smaller than a cell, and only viewable from some very rare and expensive electron microscopes. The way that the worms become multiple exosomes, or eggs, 
when threatened was a key problem that needed explanation, for example. I mean, all the papers about extracellular vesicles and cancer seem to me to be proof of this theory that these cancer researchers are basically describing a parasitic invasion. Though they have no idea how these supposedly inert particles communicate all this infection and drug-resistant information, they consider it a mystery. But the question still remains, where do these microparasites come from, and are they in fact alive? I remember reading one paper, which uh, he linked it in one of his first emails, where it describes the release of microvesicles by known parasites, but there still had to be a first cause. We also know that these known parasites can communicate with the exosomes they release. So when I found out this lady that this lady had not only tracked the life cycle, or six life cycles, which also corresponds to the types of vesicles, though she doesn't mention vesicles, I don't think it may have been before her time. Um, But she also explained why their life cycle was different in human cells as opposed to their normal life cycle, which would take place in a pond. This was a life light bulb moment for me. The fluke parasite never, which Holda uh, Clark blames everything on the fluke parasite. She says, you can't have cancer if you don't have the fluke parasite. Um, So this is Chris kind of addressing that part of it. The fluke parasite never makes it into the cells. It's far too big. Only eggs do through scar tissue in the intestinal lining, which then begin a corrupted life cycle in human cells. Much smaller, never reach maturity, or at least not the same kind of maturity, and only if they have certain toxic conditions like the presence of alcohol. This in itself is interesting because one of the theories among the Metabolic theorists is the aberrant alcohol metabolism of cancer cells, which could be interpreted the other way around in this case, but either way, it's a match. Are you able to follow that? I'm somewhat able to follow that. Sorry, alcohol I was, part. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, that's interesting, I guess. So her, she has like a. She blames everything on this fluke parasite and isopropyl alcohol. Hmm. So, kind of, which is a very common thing. Um, but, anyway, I'll get back to it. He talks a little bit more about it. So, to me, her book is like a proof of the theory and that I'd come to all the conclusions from a different perspective initially. As I said, even the frequency stuff was something I had marked as important for killing parasites and cancer cells. Even the way she tests for the different frequencies was the same thing the TED Talk guy was doing to find out which frequencies killed which types of stuff. I think he even kills parasites. It would be interesting to compare the frequencies, actually. And, and yeah, he does have stuff on it on that website about other things other than cancer there, like parasite specific. Um, I'll skip that part. I was telling him do the documentary. He says, even if I started today, though, it'd probably be a year or so before it would be done. Feel free to talk about any of this. Uh, I should have read that. Like, don't talk about any of this. That'd be funny. But he said, feel free to talk about any of this, including our emails and your podcast. But I need to think about this and ideally get some type, some kind of anecdotal proof in my own circles before I would want to talk about it publicly. Who knows, I may decide to talk about it on my next podcast, but right now my inclination is to keep researching. And 
then he I sent another response that included the question, do you think parasites cause illnesses currently attributed to viruses? And I don't know. I don't, I think Chris might listen to some of our episodes. I don't, I don't think he listens to all of them or maybe not in a, you know, close time, time deal, but he, he was kind enough to send me a 16 minute, uh, voice recording responding to the the questions that I had and I've I clipped about three minutes of it responding to that specific question so the do you think parasites yeah go ahead parasites cause illnesses currently attributed to viruses and though this is not something I have researched specifically that is I've been mostly focusing on cancer is cancer parasites um I think there's a pretty good chance that at least some of what we think of as viruses are caused by parasites. If you look up the keywords viruses and extracellular vesicles, you will see a lot of scientific papers and scientific discussion that, in my opinion, might as well be saying that they're the same thing. They're they're asking questions like, why are extracellular vesicles and and viruses so similar? Are they are the one of the you know the same? You should do it. You should see the types of things that they're saying about it, because it sure does seem like they think it's a possibility. Although they would never say it like that. They the way that they interpret extracellular vesicles is kind of a little crazy almost, because it has to do so much. Because they don't believe that extracellular vesicles are alive, so they have to believe that extracellular vesicles, you know, are somehow carrying DNA around and carrying all this information and doing all the things that viruses do without being alive or. To me, it seems like it's a real possibility based on the kinds of things that they say about extracellular vesicles and viruses. In addition, you have the fact that at least with, there's a lot of crossover in the way that you kill parasites and viruses, uh, at least the known parasites, and I would suggest also the, the microparasites that, that they don't even believe exist, but but the, the, the like hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin and these things have effect against viruses and have effect against parasites, though the method of action could just be because they do the same things. Like, you know, these microparasites are infecting and reproducing in cells and killing the cells and they're then breaking apart the cell and going to other places, which is what they say viruses do. So if both viruses and microparasites were doing that, it's possible that antiparasitic drugs could have the same effect on them with a similar method of action or something like that. But And then, of course, you take into account that, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, difficult to say that we don't even really have any pictures of viruses and it's sort of guesswork to some degree. So uh, I don't think I'm quite ready to say that all viruses are uh, microparasites, but certainly you could be forgiven for treating uh, all viral conditions as if they were microparasites because they do seem to have uh, similar solutions. There you go with your ivermectin. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Horse paste. So I, I'm open to to people writing in with their input. You know, don't uh, you you're welcome to provide contradictory information. Just know that I'm not claiming that every single thing I just went through is is the way it is. 
So okay. I'm sure there's some good so counter arguments. Can- cancers, parasites, and I need to start injecting copper. Did I miss any steps? <laughs> just, Did I miss any steps just, in there? Just or? maybe, yeah. Just just inject, <laughs> inject the copper directly into my veins. Copper and the seed oil, never mind what kind it is. Just, just d- dump the... Andrew just, said... Basically, Andrew just said, drink canola oil and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Just hit it with the, as long as it's cold. <laughs> just just put it in the fridge first. <laughs> yeah. No. That is... All right. Well, um, I, didn't, I, I never thought that this would happen, but here we are, episode 300, and Andrew's trying to cure cancer on, on the show. Well, I'm, I'm trying to inspire... Chris White to debunk cancer. That's what that's what's going on. That's awesome. Yeah. The cancer debunkumentary. Yeah. So that was a great Corbett Report episode. I think it was Corbett Report Radio, the art of the debunkumentary, by with an interview with the one and only Chris White. Yeah. 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 I might have to listen to that one again. It's been a while. Yeah, two of the greats having a having a talk. Well, Andrew, here we go, man. The next episode we do, we will officially have made more episodes than Future Quake. Which, when we started this show, the idea that that was even a possibility would have been beyond outlandish. Oh, indeed. Yeah. It's, well, and they could still, they could still come back and and pass us. So. I wouldn't we, hold your breath. <laughs> it's it could happen. It but, could. Uh, Doctor Future's probably currently in a you know, in a, sitting on a, a mountain of white castles, racing his slot <laughs> slot cars in his basement. <laughs> He's not interested in doing podcasts anymore. So. Watching a. A <laughs> obscure B level science yeah. fiction movie. B <laughs> D level <laughs> Swamp Thing from the nineteen somethings. Alright, well that's it. Is, is that it, man? Is that it? Are we done? Is this it? That's pretty much it. I'll just say it? you cured cancer well, with copper. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, I, I think there's a little little more um rich field of research to be done into taking care of parasites than viruses. And whenever you see stuff where the mainstream media is warning you against something as being crazy, like this, I threw in an article about the uh, MMS, or that's chlorine dioxide. Taking toxic bleach MMS has killed seven people in the U.S. Colombian prosecutors say far more than previously known. When you see headlines like that, it makes me want to take chlorine dioxide. So, right. I'm pretty sure that was what they were taking. I told you about the story that Red Cross was giving it to malaria patients and they were being cured like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, hey, no more of that. <laughs> well, I do like that... Your current line of thinking doesn't debunk any of our previous lines of thinking. So we, we're building up quite the... We could, we could write our own, dare I say, manifesto. <laughs> Shoes are bad. 
Beef is good. Eggs Politicians are, are pedophiles. Eggs are good. Politicians <laughs> are pedophiles. Everything uh, everything you learned in school is wrong. Yeah, starting with the shape it's of the earth. Mainly, <laughs> mainly from like the kindergarten through fifth grade formative years, unless it has to do with reading comprehension or mathematics. It was probably a lie. Um, even the math is bad now. Yeah, I don't even know what's yeah. happening in math. So uh, it's it's bad. It's all bad. M- math is bad, says the English major. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I feel like the, seed, the Bill Gates math bad. is bad. Yeah, yeah. seed oil is bad. Five uh, G bad. Uh, cell phones yes. bad. Uh, family good. Walking in the grass with no shoes good. Yeah, uh, copper. Copper's good. Seems uh, to be good. Iron undecided. Left left alone. No, I, undecided. I, it's just that you already have probably too much or plenty of iron. That's the deal with iron. It's weird you say too much. I had a buddy in Seattle who had a who literally had to have blood withdrawn regularly because he had too much iron. Yeah, and it made him really sick. And like yeah, this is he started having some like he should I try. Guess, he should he honestly should try copper because copper will lower your iron levels. Huh. Well, we'll shoot him a message. Let him know. Uh, what else? What else are we talking about here? Um, shoes are bad. <laughs> do, we have, do we have a do we have a feeling? Well, the, about- the podcast is our manifesto, Tim. Yeah, that's it's true. Three hundred episodes. Fake Christmas trees. Does that does they prevent sudden death, or do you have to go with the real Christmas tree? <laughs> Christmas tree death. If they're one hundred forty feet tall. They can be dangerous, but uh, yeah, yeah, it seems, a- seems like it would be dangerous. <laughs> Kids are good. Family is good. Face to face is good. On screens is bad. Um. Masks are bad. Masks are bad. Masks definitely bad. Vaccines all bad. Um, yes. Let's see. There's, there's a gal posted that she that her cat had died um, because of the rabies vaccine, mm. which she just took because of compliance. It was yep. an indoor cat, and yep. she didn't I've need. And I and I responded and said, "I'm sorry for your loss, but." All vaccines are just for compliance. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's weird looking back at all my vet trips. There was always like a, you know, one of the receptionists or one of the nurses or, well, I don't vaccinate my dog either. Oh. Oh, after you said no to the, yeah, the vaccines. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's that's. But that's when I was in the heart of crunchy granola land. Now I'm out here with the free range Americans who are much more susceptible to such lies because they're so kind and generous and they can't believe that there's that much evil in the yeah, world they they they're not balenciaga customers out here <laughs> yeah a little bit of balenciaga this is not the target market it's but not. it is the target market for the yeah all the certainly all the bad food all the chemtrails poisons and the chem man we got chemtrailed badly the last couple days i saw that it's like holy moly yeah supposedly we need to boil vinegar outside three liters of vinegar boiled out in your backyard helps with chemtrails it'll put a supposedly puts a a hole in the sky above your house through all the really chemtrail crap where did you hear that it's it's uh, who knows who knows? It's not, it sounds. 
random dude on Twitter. <laughs> random dude on Twitter. It's where all my, all my all my sources are. Well, if uh, yeah, so chemtrails are bad, and there is a recent Last American Vagabond with Dane Wigington. So if you if you're like, what chemtrails? Chemtrails aren't real. Then that'd be a good episode to go listen to. Oh, is that the something skies? G geoengineering watch guy. Frankenskies. No. Oh no, he's he's geoengineering watch. The Frankenskies is a different guy. So fair enough. All right, man. Well, let's get out of here. It's late. It's and late, and we we had the pre-recorded hour, so you got your wish. What six-hour episode? Oh, Andrew, <laughs> close to five. Uh, I don't know. It's time no, for it's, me to go to bed. I don't think I'm gonna be able to stitch this together no, tonight. Four, so. four, it's not not quite four hours. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, th- thank you everybody for listening, um, especially those that have listened to them all and have contributed and everything else we appreciate every single person that listens to the podcast and and thank you yes thank you guys for helping us get to show 300 if it wasn't for you we would not be doing it so uh thank you for your emails and uh monetary support and prayers they are the life's blood of this show keeps uh, andrew and i going literally so we're like the 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 parasites in your mp3 player and we need <laughs> prayer and support in order to stay alive or else we, the mp3 player goes you know dark and then there's just no more tim and andrew talking in your ear yeah the financial support is the glucose to the I tim mean, and andrew paris i mean this conspiracy <laughs> this conspiracy literally has the the ability to almost I think flat Earth would be the biggest of all the things we talk about, and then this would be like the second biggest though, because you'd have to like subsidize sugar to keep the parasites alive. Which, yes, which they've yeah. done. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wild bit. It's a you know, it's I, a big one, man. This is a big one. So I did bring some verses. Oh. Verse of the I, verse of the week. I did some, I'm ready, I did some bro. more. I did. So this is uh, another. I need, some, I need a week. I need a verse of the week right now. I need a or I I did a another book of Enoch thing. So not oh. not quite the Bible, but pretty close. Okay. But so here's. Read so more the, from your tarot cards, Andrew. Well, <laughs> so I I did I did a little more research on you know. Why Enoch is not in the Bible. Yeah. And it basically comes down to, well, the prophecy stuff is so accurate that it must have been written much later than it was supposed than Enoch. It can't really have come from Enoch. And, you know, a lot of the Old Testament books, the author, you know, it was all, all um, passed down through very long and memorized speech, not necessarily like literally written down, right? Right, right. Like you, you would, you would go through and, you know, people actually had attention spans and sit around the fire, and your dad would tell you stuff, and you would remember it and be able to tell it to your kid. So, you know, I listen to this 
uh, 10-week prophecy from Enoch. And just, you know, just for the sake of argument, what if this was around um, when it was supposed to have been around? Well, I have to play something. I thought you were yeah, going to read I've something. Got the, no, I've got the Enoch 10-week prophecy I found. <laughs> Still not the greatest audio, but I did find someone else reading it. Not the, not the gal this time, right? And after that, Enoch both gave and began to recount from the books. And Enoch said, concerning the children of righteousness and concerning the elect... Is that Art Bell? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. And after that, Enoch both gave and began to recount from the books. And Enoch said, Concerning the children of righteousness, and concerning the elect of the world, and concerning the plant of uprightness, I will speak these things. Yea, I, Enoch, will declare them unto you, my sons, according to that which appeared to me in the heavenly vision, and which I have known through the word of the holy angels, and have learned from the heavenly tablets. And Enoch began to recount from the books, and said, I was born the seventh in the first week, while judgment and righteousness still endured. And after me there shall arise in the second week great wickedness, and deceit shall have sprung up, and in it there shall be the first end, and in it shall a man be saved. And after it has ended, unrighteousness shall grow up, and a law shall be made for the sinners." And after that, in the third week, at its close, a man shall be elected as the plant of righteous judgment. And his posterity shall become the plant of righteousness forevermore. And after that, in the fourth week, at its close, visions of the holy and righteous shall be seen, and a law for all generations, and an enclosure shall be made for them. And after that, in the fifth week, at its close, the house of glory and dominion shall be built forever. And after that, in the sixth week, all who live in it shall be blinded. And the hearts of all them shall godlessly forsake wisdom. And in it a man shall ascend. And at its close, the house of dominion shall be burnt with fire. And the whole race of the chosen root shall be dispersed. And after that, in the seventh week, shall an apostate generation arise, and many shall be its deeds. And all its deeds shall be apostate, and at its close shall be elected the elect righteous of the eternal plant of righteousness, to receive sevenfold instruction concerning all his creation. For who is there of all the children of men that is able to hear the voice of the Holy One without being troubled? And who can think his thoughts? And who is there that can behold all the works of heaven? And how should there be one who could behold the heaven? And who is there that could understand the things of heaven, and see a soul or a spirit, and could tell thereof, or ascend and see all their ends, and think them, or do like them? And who is there of all men that could know what is the breadth and the length of the earth, and to whom has been shown the measure of all of them? Or is there anyone who could discern the length of the heaven, and how great its height, and upon what it is founded, and how great is the number of the stars, and where all the luminaries rest? And after that there shall be another, the eighth week, that of unrighteousness. And a sword shall be given to it, that a righteous judgment may be executed on the oppressors, 
and sinners shall be delivered into the hands of the righteous. And at its close they shall acquire houses through their righteousness. And a house shall be built for the great king in glory forevermore. And all mankind shall look to the path of uprightness. And after that, in the ninth week, the righteous judgment shall be revealed to the whole world. And all the works of the godless shall vanish from all the earth. And the world shall be written down for destruction. And after this, in the tenth week, in the seventh part, there shall be the great eternal judgment, in which he will execute vengeance amongst the angels. And the first heaven shall depart and pass away, and a new heaven shall appear, and all the powers of the heaven shall give sevenfold light. And after that there will be many weeks without number forever, and all shall be in goodness and righteousness, and sin shall be no more mentioned forever. So if if you go through there, you know, second week, the flood mentions Noah, the one that's delivered. Third week, you got Moses. Fourth week, prophets. Fifth week, temple, David. Sixth week, temple destroyed. Seventh week, Jesus, for Jesus' first appearance. Eighth week, uh, martyrs and kind of the age of Christianity. Uh, ninth week, return and millennial reign of Christ. And tenth week, final judgment, post-thousand years and on into eternity, the many weeks after. So... Are you there? I'm here. It's good stuff, man. Ten weeks. So, ten weeks. So, and the seventh part of the tenth week, and ten times seven equals? Sixty-seven. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's that math, man. What is that? It's that Bill Gates math. <laughs> ten times seven equals? Seventy. Seventy. Which reminds you of what? Seven, the seventy trumpets. weeks of Daniel. Seventy weeks. Oh, hmm. so and the the seventieth week would be would match up with the seventh part of the tenth week. But, Man, he's bringing some Bible prophecy now to end the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Revelation Radio. You've been waiting for three hundred episodes to, for us to get into prophecy, and there we go. We, yeah. <laughs> How many people have tuned in and be like, what are these guys talking about? It's nothing about Revelation at all. <laughs> so that's, you know, there's, I think it's, it's an interesting, interesting book worth reading. You know, maybe it shouldn't be in the Bible. Maybe it, maybe it was not important for it to be in the Bible up until now or a near future time i'm probably of that mind like it didn't have to be in the bible but like it's going to become more and more relevant for us like you know it was would have been distracting yep so so anyway i appreciate everybody for listening in i appreciate everybody for 300 episodes andrew we did it you did it i did it we're we're, we're off under the sunset we have made it uh yep. We're kingmakers. We, we've uh, accomplished everything we, we came to accomplish. 
We made a million dollars. We uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, well, none of this is true. Started a started a, a fac. Started a, like a, a company that takes over other companies. And oh, sorry, I'm just delirious. I don't think that's a no. That's that's a spac. Yes, thank you. See, I'm just delirious. <laughs> I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to set up my own spac. But <laughs> no. uh, I'm I'm delirious. I'm up late. I got little kids. I'm gonna have to be up early. I appreciate you for uh, bringing all this stuff, for showing us how to cure cancer and uh, inject copper into our veins and all of your <laughs> strangeness. I will take my ice baths to walk around my backyard barefoot and marvel that thousands of people listen to what I have to say. Yeah, it is. It is surprising, isn't it? <laughs> your, your mouth to God's ears, man. Thank you for 300 <laughs> shows, buddy. Yes, thank you, Tim, and thanks to everybody out there. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. All right. Welcome back to Revelations Radio News. As we continue our interviews section of the podcast, we have James Corbett on the line, editor and podcaster at CorbettReport.com. He is someone that uh, Andrew turned me on to about a year and a half ago, and I've become, you know, quite a uh, quite a listener to his work. So, uh, James, thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Welcome back to Revelations Radio News. This week, Andrew and I discuss the coming year of 2013 with our good friend James Corbett. The first part of this episode was cut off due to technical difficulties. Well, thank you for having me on today. I'm, uh, I'm very appreciative of it, and I'm glad to be here as always. Thank you, guys. So welcome back to Revelations Radio News. I am still podcasting from... Where am I? I am... In the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, and I am not joined by Andrew Hoffman, but I am instead joined by someone Andrew Hoffman calls the Babe Ruth of podcasting, James Corbett. 
Yay! I, I want a crowd cheering in the background. Yeah. Yay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's James Corbett and Andrew Hoff. No. Anyway. To you from the soggy forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I am hoping I have finished digging a trench in my yard for the last time. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from Cascade Locks, Oregon, where I have almost survived the Ides of March, I'm Andrew Hoffman. The Ides of March. And then also on the call, we actually have a special guest, someone that we have not had on the show for a long time, but has been a special guest, I think, three times or more back all the way back to show number 66 of Revelations Radio News. And that is the one and only James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Hey, Tim Kilkenny. Uh, short time, no speak. I hope you're doing well today. It's good to talk to you again. And Andrew Hoffman, you old son of a gun, how the hell are you doing? <laughs> or as you say in your elvish tongue, Falchego Balyatha Cleath, which of course, as you know, but I'll just say for the benefit of the listeners, means Andrew Hoffman, you old son of a gun, how the hell are you doing? <laughs> Breaking out the elvish in minute one. This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the stormy forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I, for one, am happy that Bill Gates' marriage is unhappy. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Cascade Locks, Oregon, where it is... Recently cloudy, but previously sunny. I'm Andrew Hoffman. <laughs> and from the sunny climes of Western Japan, I am your third co-host in this three-legged stool, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm going to hijack your, your guys' show right off the top to issue my heartfelt apology. Because I feel like the serpent in the garden. I have stolen your innocence when it comes to your usual intro banter about the weather in the Pacific Northwest. I realize now that was such a mistake for me to call you out on that last time I was on your guys' program, because now, as a listener, I'm sitting here listening week after week, and hats off to you guys for doing a weekly program now. Um, but I'm sitting here listening to it week after week, and it always there's always that uncomfortable part where you're trying not to talk about the weather, but I know you want to go for it. And now I have to admit, as a listener... I'm kind of waiting for it, too. So okay. I, I'm sorry for having stolen that innocence from you. You guys should absolutely tell us all about the Pacific Northwest weather every single program. You know, and we we did hear from other people who were like, like, no, we like the random Northwest weather chat. So, hey, you know. Oh, man. Podcasting to you from a formerly balmy Central Oklahoma, where I am one of your hosts. My name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from Piedmont, where we are joined by someone who J J Jason Burmis calls the goat, but we call the Babe Ruth of pop podcasting. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Hello. Hello. Did the, uh, my ears are burning. You know what? I got a couple of emails from people this week on that Babe Ruth of podcasting moniker that you've given me. And one of them was suggesting that since I'm Canadian, you should actually be calling me the Joe Carter of podcasting. I like Joe I'll Carter. take either way. But uh, Tim, 52 shows a year, Kilkenny and Andrew. Tim, are you sure we're recording Hoffman? How the hell are you guys doing? 
We are we're hanging in there. We're hanging we're, in there. Glad, <laughs> glad to talk to you. So if Tim, you, got, you know I'm not going to let you live down that 52 shows a year thing. 